Game begin. Welcome to Spike Colony, episode 12. I am here with winning and loser, Michael J. Flores, and I'm your host, winning and loser, Lanny Huang. How um, are you winning and loser? Oh, but you got rescued. <laughs> Nobody rescued me. Lose and in, baby. Thank you. So, Holy yeah, Matelski. How do you, how, what's the inflection on Holy Pekula? Holy Pekula. Holy, Holy Matelski. Matelski. So, my opponent, so Pog was undefeated after round like four with round. We're talking about four. a pioneer RCQ for the yeah, and fans. so Pog offers the draw to his opponent, and they they decline, so that Pog like beats the bejesus out of them, right? And then they're like, "Would you like to draw?" It's like, why? So then oh, I get that God. opponent, and then Patrick the, the, is the, bloodthirsty in the in the last round, and then this was. This is the stupidest reason to be mad about a magic tournament. Like, the you know, I'm still shuffling. They've got two dice in their hand. They're like, high roll. And I'm like, we just even an odd. And then just drop one of the dice. And when I said, so, you know, I didn't say even an odd. I said, can I just call odd, right? They dropped the first die. It's a one. And they're just like, like, there's just no way to not be an asshole in this situation, right? Like, they obviously did it by accident. But, like, I, I literally just won or... You know, I'm an asshole. I either won or I'm an asshole. Those are the only options. So they win the role. They quote unquote win the role. And it's Pioneer. Pioneer is such a stupid format from play draw. Like I, I have a draw where I'm 100% to win if I'm on the play. But they have a first turn Lana War Elf. So I don't win. It's like, so I have to waste my first turn killing their Lana War Elf instead of opening on a Soulscar Mage and then second turn killing their Lana War Elf and attacking for four with my Monastery Swift Spear and it's game's already over. Uh, so instead, we just play this sludge game i win game two on the play and then game three uh I, I mean honestly john finkel probably would have won game three but i didn't win game three so yeah i mean it was one of those uh, I, there shouldn't have been a game three yeah i mean what uh i would do i would do the following i I've, i actually have an opinion about this my opinion yeah. is that if opponent has two dice in their hands yeah it is more likely that you'll get angle shot with them trying to take the result of the one die roll. Because two dice in hand means intention to roll two dice. Now, uh, they, the fact they, that one fell out and and the sequence of events where they're like, oh, so I like, wanna high roll these two dice, like whatever. All this stuff is chaos, but uh, the fact that they have two dice in hand, intention to roll two dice. Second comment, you, you roll the dice, man. You bring, you bring a 12 side, a fair 12 side dice. You say even odd. You just bully your opponent. You're just like, I, we're doing even odd. Yeah, like, I, I do that at every tournament. I pull out I, my 12-sided die. I'm like, I'm going to roll this dice. You're going to call even or odd after I've the dice has left my hand, but before, before it's decided. Sometime after 2010, I stopped being bloodthirsty at the table. Like, I remember in 2010, it's the last slot that I had won in a long day, and I didn't win another slot until 2014, 2015. Uh, it, and that was a national slot, right? I didn't win a pro tour slot between... 2006 and 2015 or something 2014 but you know i i played every michael j game in 2010 won the slot uh but then sometime after that you know in the ensuing six years or however i'm playing i just stopped playing hard like and i i i don't know because i came up in an era when everybody played if you had if you wanted to win everybody played hard right yeah and like now nobody plays it's just like, I mean, I guess I could play the maximum game against these Zoomers, and then they would just think I was an asshole. 
You know, well, like you don't have. I mean, I'm I mean, just you playing can within just, the rules. I'm just suggesting like, that you roll the die. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, man. I used to play. I, I used to preemptively call the judge. I used to do so many things, you yeah. know. And just now, I'm just, just like, happy medium. Let's find a happy I medium. Don't Let's... even shuffle my opponent's deck anymore. I just. Oh yeah, I mean that's like a that's it, that's only. I mean, I'd shuffle my opponent's deck in a win and in. Like I'll shuffle my opponent's deck the in a top eight. Rules actually require that you shuffle the opponent's deck. I just still cut it now, or yeah. I just I honestly I just tap it ninety five percent of the time. Yeah, I mean in pre modern like, I, I don't I don't cut my opponent's deck. I cut yeah, their opponent my cut my opponent's deck once. I was at LobsterCon. I was like I'm not shuffling your deck. We don't have time for this. Yeah, so I don't know. Maybe you know the listeners seem to ask you questions or whatever should i play bloodthirsty again i just, i literally don't i just i just play nice no i mean I'll, I'll already tell you that the listeners generally think of you as like a bloodthirsty like i am troll, s- troll spike i am so not that's the player that's that I out was. there to out there to pub stomp pre-modern tournaments and has I like mean, an extremely I, low opinion of everyone but themselves uh, michael I, J. I am that person <laughs> however i used to also play hard yeah, so, you said you just talk the talk now, but you used to walk oh, the I mean, walk. Like, I, I'm not saying I don't have a strategic advantage in on every vector. I'm just saying I used to also play every angle at the table, right? And so I think angle shooting gets a bad name. Angle shooting isn't cheating, right? Angle shooting is taking an angle, right? And who who needs to who needs to move in straight lines? Come on, man. Well, that's a great way to run into a wall. I mean, this is like a, I mean, uh, to, to reduce it, one of the, basically the problem with angle shooting is that the the rule set, like you, you cannot concoct a rule set that, um, that covers every scenario. And as a result, those angles uh, appear. And then angle shooting is a problem because they go against effectively... Uh, you know, I, a fundamental problem, which is that you can't create rules for every so situation. Let's let's. I don't want to have a forty-five minute conversation in defensive angle shooting. Yeah, that that would be great for you. What I what I would rather just say is, I am comfortable that if a judge watched my matches, they would not be able to identify me doing anything against the rules. However, even if I don't play hard, any I really don't play hard anymore, in my opinion. Even if I don't play hard anymore, I don't see any reason to give charity to your opponent. And I think that a lot of the time when people are like, "Oh, well, you're doing this," or you're, I'm, they're using a name, or like they're using they're they're using all different names that aren't cheating because the person didn't cheat, okay? Uh, and they're just like they're gonna they're gonna put a narrative around that. In my opinion, you just gave somebody charity and they didn't deserve it. That's the nobody deserves your charity. I don't I don't sit there asking for charity except at pre-modern or FNM. <laughs> pre-monitor fnm i will take back yeah. <laughs> with impunity but like in an rcq there's zero percent chance i would ask for a take back because i wouldn't give one yeah i mean that's, that's the, it's just you know, i mean the stakes determine it but we're you know let's just let's not yeah, it's just like we, the, just the problem is we're talking about an amorphous term so like you you currently have not described an example of an angle shoot and i think you'd have a hard time pulling one out that doesn't uh i I used to not care if my game wins came from my skill, my opponent's bad luck, or a judge call. How about that? Yeah, I mean that's just like the you know that's just like the olden days. I mean these so days, it, these days, I, I, these days judges judges just give uh, just give everything back. Um, yeah, but as judge, a matter of I, policy, I hate then. how things are ruled right now. I mean, I lost a top eight, you know, right before the pandemic because my opponent was inveterately cheating. 
the judge was sitting there there was like 20 spectators and they're like you should have conceded like six turns ago you're an asshole right and like he's just literally cheating and the judge was just like it was a small you know level two judge not really good at identifying certain things i think at that level like a level three or level four judge would have disqualified him and a level two judge is like you know letting him just literally work the clock in an illegal way and um yeah, I, I think that I think judges are way too lenient. Yeah, uh, I mean, the, this was if, this if was it comes a, to a judge call, you should always err on the side of violence, in my opinion. Because, well, this I mean, this is something the judge policy is going to get updated. This was like big online uh, uh, recently with this um, uh, deck issue, but that's modern. That's not pre-modern. Uh, we don't even have uh, we have a, that are we have a judge at the Sacred Torch One Point Five. Yep, I yep. met him at we the RCG the, uh, last uh, last weekend. Oh, Elijah, that's uh, sweet. Shout out yeah. to Elijah, who's gonna uh, brush up on his humility opalescence interactions uh, on his way to but the pre-modern One Point Five. Shout out to him. He ruled in my favor in round two, and he was wrong. It was my opponent was actually correct. Oh my god! So <laughs> I, I would have gladly taken the ruling, but my opponent was. I, I literally was just like, I don't really understand this interaction. I kind of did. It was like a bunch of like triggers happening at the same time, and I'm, I'm not super dialed into Pioneer. Um, he explained it. The judge said, "Well, no, I don't think it works that way." And then I'm like, "Oh, sweet." I ended up winning the game anyway, but it's uh, correct. It's correct to call a judge. I called um, the judge. So I didn't really understand. Yeah, it's the correct to call a judge. Yeah, after that, it's in the judge's hands. Um, I'm very excited. Uh, yeah. I mean, we're just going to have judging because there, there's money on the line. So there's just a lot have, of money you, on the line. You have to have, go into my, into my steak <laughs> slash strip club fund right after that. We're going to, we're going to party that night. Um, who wants to sign up for partying with Michael J after the 1.5 K? Uh, I mean, you know, you have to keep that on the DL. The uh, that's going to be a line. I just announced it to our listener. <laughs> <laughs> I got phone calls this week, like literally, like ring, ring, ring. Unnamed prominent pre-modern player calls me. Unnamed very prominent pre-modern player calls me on the phone. He's just like, I just listened to Spike Colony number nine, right? And I'm like, I don't know which number nine is, right? He's just like, it was awesome. And I'm like, okay, it's like late and I'm listening and I'm just nodding and I'm just nodding. And I'm like, what are you talking about, bro? He's just like, Lanny really doesn't understand how control works. <laughs> and I was just like, OMG. It was a it was a riot. And then that night you had a controlish mirror. <laughs> near near nearly control-ish mirror. Um Okay. And then what, what and then what about? happened? Oh boy, buddy. <laughs> Who won? Who <laughs> won? The control mage. <laughs> control mage won. <laughs> the actual factual control mage? Wow. Um we don't have I don't want to talk about that match. It, it, in on another prominent pre-modern podcast, uh there was something along the lines of Rich and Lanny called that a match. Do they not know there were spectators that were sitting there for two hours? <laughs> I was just like, I watched the whole two hours. I I watched it. I watched it. I was cheering for the other player. But so we got it 75% right. Wheels came off the bus for William Hurst. Jared Doucette. Good man. Lobster con. I was going to say matriarch in kind of honor of his 1-1 uh, goblin that gets more goblins. Let's, we'll go with matriarch. Yeah. Matriarch of Goblins, Jared Doucette, Raffle Stomping, the PSS, all the way. He's first seed, right? Number one seed. Took out. Did he beat you? 
he did not defeat me because but I his, had my replenish check, but he defeated his goblins nearly everyone defeated else. Rich Shea and Tom Matelski. Yeah, no, I mean, this is like, I, I, not enough can be said. I think um, credit credit to his name. Uh, I think Jared was like, oh, I just want to make top four. Top seed is even <laughs> top better. Top seed. Um, he, his goblins took out Tom Matelski and Rich Shea. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, He's, he, uh, uh, nice job. Uh, is, is he up against you first, yeah, first round? Yeah, he's going to be up against me in the first round. Tom is going to be up against Rich. Uh, what so, was the matchup when you were up against him last time? I uh, watched it. I just don't remember. Last, yeah, last time I played Jared, it was Replenish versus The Rock. Replenish versus The Rock. I don't... So you you guys know bands? You can pick any deck, any round? Yeah, we can t to pick any deck. So next round... Okay, let's scroll back. Okay. The, the round robin of the PSS has concluded. The top four in order is Jared Doucette, Tom Matelski, both with five wins. Jared has higher seating. And then Rich Shea, and then yours truly. So I'm going to be playing against Jared. Tom is going to be playing against Rich. And then Jared has play, right? Uh, that's correct. Top seed has play. Uh, we are going to play best three out of five. Oh. Um, with choose any of your three decks. No luck. Best three out of... And pre-modern, going first doesn't matter that much. Yeah, I mean, it does if you have much. Goblin Lackey in your yeah, deck. <laughs> but like, in most cases, it doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah, there's, there's a few ways to, uh, to break that difference, and one of them is yeah. Goblin Lackey. Duress and, doesn't uh, matter. Goblin Lackey does. Replenish doesn't matter. I won every round at, at uh, LobsterCon last year. On the draw, With yeah. the exception of the top four on the draw. And I was only on the fucking draw. I don't know if we beep in this, in this podcast. Because I scooped BK in. Yep. <laughs> uh, which allowed... Which allowed Flint Espel to duress my careful study and strand me with a double squee hand. That uh, was some. That was some BS. I'm down for. I'm down for being on the draw with Lantax too. So it's gonna be fun. Yeah. So um, this will be exciting. He's not gonna take the rock again. All your decks are getting at the rock except for Groatog. Uh no no I'm uh. Replenish is my only deck that's good against the rock because we watched the rock defeat my parfait deck and then Grotog I mean, is pretty weak to pernicious. That was like a half outer. Yeah. Right? Like so he had a we had like a he had a half outer and he got it off of the off of the Factor fiction. Still made a great play. Right? Yeah. So all those things happened. Um but I I don't know, man. I I'm not betting against Lantax. They banned it. <laughs> who bets against land tax? On who the, bets against the, land? Who bets against who, me? Who bets against land tax? The <laughs> other day, I was just like, "What's the plan, Stan?" And you're like, "That's what's the plan, land." <laughs> and I'm like, "Well, the plan okay. is to win." Um, Are you the second best land H at designing pre-modern decks currently? <laughs> I think you might be the second best land H. I can, I can only hope so. <laughs> I can only hope so. I'm gunning for first, but. Uh, we'll have to see at the conclusion of I'm, our 1.5k. I'm playing Lan H's deck this Tuesday at the Brooklyn Strategist meetup. Yeah, it's going to be sweet. So, if well, anyone, we're I, I know people have been about... asking about that on not just our podcast, but other podcasts now. And I'm not going to say nothing until I win it, and then I'll put a deck pick, and then I'm going to redact the deck pick. So, I'm going to make the deck pick, then I'm going to just scribble black marker over it and be like, 
subscribe to the Spike Colony Patreon. <laughs> we don't have a Patreon, but subscribe to the Spike Colony one Patreon. Day, one day. Oh, here's my idea. I'm hoping to offer enough uh, to our audience that, uh, you know, they're going to start ponying up the big dollars and cents to win so their local meetup. <laughs> I actually have a good idea. So tell me if this is a good idea. So we could have like, we could have a Patreon and, but we could give away this like once a month or something. So not saying who gives them to me, but somebody gives me these PDFs. I didn't know that people did these for money. I thought they just, I, they were just appearing in my WhatsApp. Literally, they just appear in my WhatsApp, and it's just like a 30-page primer on, a, like, a PDF form of, like, whatever deck that I've never played before, but I now physically have in front of me to play in this tournament. Yep. And it's just like... Five bucks. Here, what? It's five bucks for a PDF, pretty much. So, yeah. So, but we could just be like, we could make one a month, including sideboard guides for the for the major matchup. So, we're just like, all right... If you're like Patreon level two, you get to download this. Patreon level one, you just buy me a race bib or something. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. We can just do we can just do like dono stuff. Uh, Pre-modern players are famously non-competitive, and they're saving yeah, up they, all their all their money for guys' cradles. So, but they they care about. Oh my! You know what card? Like, magic cards are so expensive. Did you meet my friend Jeff? Hung yeah. out with my best friend Jeff last night. We played some magic. He's like kind of the person who. Well, Jeff's your best friend now. Hold the hold the phone. He's been best friend since age nine we went to we went to college together we were roommates we were each other's best man worked out better for one of us than the other one um <laughs> but the 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 nut of it is we were just playing fnm last night we we're just like looking up the cards that he owns he actually he owns four foil judge guys cradles all still in the package mine are not in the pack they might have never seen a sleeve but his are still in the package Four, he has he has four uh and he's like all these magic cards are so expensive he's just like a beta time twister he's like oh, that's probably my best card i'm like who cares about time twister that's fifteen thousand time twist yeah tw time twister for those who don't know a lot of people joke they're like oh time twister is the weakest card in power and time well, twister is legal in commander and well, as a result it's if actually it's a beta it's actually extremely expensive no no it just doesn't it doesn't matter unlimited doesn't matter like time twister is worth more than fifteen thousand dollars yeah all right so um so yeah, I'm just like this is crazy. I'm like, what did you pay for that? And he's like, I think I traded ten dollars worth of cards for it or something nice. in like yeah. 1997. So never like, sell, never sell, Let's never sell. Yeah, I mean, or you could just be like me. You could just buy at the height and never sell. I have a stack of Shieldreds five feet for, not even five feet. I can reach over to my desk over here. They're over there. They will probably never see a sleeve because Pog decided to be a blue red mage yep. after making me buy the Shieldreds. Well, did you like how I put the lands Lanny story in yeah. my? Uh, my report yeah the people needed to know that uh i'm, I'm not comfortable with uh how, with how much my, mike my, bullies those kids but pog was just like i i will be i'll the take sub. it yeah I'll he's like the, <laughs> sure i will be the punching bag yeah. it will match the shieldreds you have to buy <laughs> right like that's all right i'm like i got off cheap but it turns out i didn't because i forgot to use forest. I officially didn't get off cheap anyways uh if you're into pioneer rcq reports Check out Michael J. Flores' latest article on CoolStuffInc.com. Um, Honestly, that I, one turned out pretty good. Like, I was, like, telling somebody recently, and they're like, oh, I'm going to have to write tonight. And they're like, you haven't started yet? And I'm like, I'm like, look, not all of the articles are good, right? <laughs> they're not all good, <laughs> right? And, and, and I'm like, like, 75% are just not good. You're like, but, dad, yeah, look, I, dad does not love all of his children equally. But I, I have to write them still, right? But like, but in return, I write like six bangers a year. 
And I'm like, and I've already written six bangers this year. Like I've written at least one all timer this year, but I don't know when they're going to come. Right. But I have to, that's the thing you have to write. Sometimes they're bangers. Right. And so, so I'm just sitting here, wait, we're going to go to KBBQ. Right. And I'm just sitting here and Pog is like, Oh, I'll get dinner. He just won $600. He can't get effing dinner. Right. So I'm going to sit here. I literally wrote that article on my phone, but Pog is obsessed. So he's checking in with like, Oh, I want to see how I'm being depicted in this article. Right. And like, and so we worked on we workshopped it over dinner. I have to I for a PTQ art or RCQ article that I did not make top eight, that one was pretty good. Yeah. I, I, I like that article. Uh, it had some good stories. Uh it, you have a little insight into into our lives. Lanny's um not comfortable with how much I bully the kids. The kids are comfortable with the kids can take it, the yeah. Yeah, the kids can they take it. They got thicker skin, honestly. Yeah, so uh yeah, I'm I kind of feel that way. I'm like uh trying to I mean yeah, I mean, uh, I'll let, leave this as an open question to the audience. I think pretty regularly people are asking for primers on certain decks. And what's nice about pre-modern is I can write a primer about a deck. It'll be relevant for like <laughs> forever, nine, nine, <laughs> nine years. <laughs> uh, pre-modern does move. No, no, of course it moves. It'll, but it'll be relevant for like, if I wrote um, anything about uh, anything about Grotog, actually, and I, I, I did write a little bit about Grotog, but I came to understand the deck a lot more over my time playing it. But if I write something about Grow Talk like six months ago, it's going to be relevant now. But your, or at least, your sideboard uh, is just worse. Post sideboard you well, had before. <laughs> well, post land tax ban. I mean, the whole land tax thing is like kind of different. Um, but sure. anyways, uh, so like I, I hit you up talking, pivoting to talk about strategy, concocting strategy. I hit you up um, uh, after my uh, loss to Rich to catch up the people who weren't able to tune in. Rich Shea and I played a two-hour match of Replenish versus versus Blue White Stifle Knot, the the Flooded Strand Mirror. Um, in in the end, I uh, I suffered defeat by an exact uh, brain freeze, which I put myself in range of by casting Deep Analysis to start my turn uh, instead of Parallax Tide. Uh, it was a very long game. Uh, I, I think a you're famous, being re- a famous man, about a famous how. man once said, uh, uh, "I probably, I've never played a perfect game of Magic. I probably make one mistake a turn. <laughs> uh, I probably so made you, one mistake a turn." I don't think you made. I, I don't know because I, I didn't see where your hand was. So I'll ask. I'll begin by asking you a question. Uh, in game one, who's the beat down? Uh, in game one, <laughs> I, I after Rich plays a dark car waste portent, and I just have a flooded strain in play. I seriously considered conceding so that rich wouldn't know whether or not i was playing replenish or grow talk so well, i, think I you could board should have i could board with perfect information and rich would have to like take a risk bringing in disenchants and annuls i actually and bringing think in source you of should have conceded given the fact given what you just said i think you should have conceded yep uh because you weren't going to win the game right like he's on the play no, what uh, no i was on the play I okay, go, so- I go, flooded strand go in game one, and then he goes uh, a dark or waste portent, and I just put my head in my hands, and I'm like, I can't believe. So yeah, but- okay, we have <laughs> to rewind. Oh my god, we're such bad podcasters. I'm gonna rewind even further. Rich has three decks. He has blue white dreadnought. His blue white land still, uh, or no, sorry, blue white dreadnought. He has parfait. He has goblins. Job. I have blue white replenish, uh, Grotog, and uh, my parfait. So. Let's go ahead. We all and thought talk. Rich was going to play Parfait. Let's let's talk about the pregame. So, 
We all think that Richardson played parfait. It's a win. It's a win and in. I mean, plus he needed help. Uh, on, match. It's a big match. On uh, actually, I want to take a step back after I make this comment. On commentary, Metelski was like, "I would put any amount of money on Rich playing parfait." I also would have bet on Rich playing parfait. You know who didn't play parfait? Rich. Yeah. So. Uh, so Rich, I think, made the correct deck decision. Oh, uh, I mean, because Argent Knot is the best deck to play. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm just like yelling. Uh, okay, so I'll just explain. So, uh, we we have Rich on Parfait for for a multiple reasons, multitude of reasons. One is simply that this could be his last sanctioned, you know, quote unquote sanctioned last oh, sanctioned it's our last opportunity with to land cast tax. it. Yeah. Because oh, if he yeah. lost, then he wouldn't make the top cut, and then that's that's the last time he's playing Parfait. Um, two, it's the deck that he's obviously the most comfortable with. He's the master. Even, even if he's a dog in a certain matchup, even if he has some amount of fear, uh, he probably thinks that he can pull out a win with Parfait and just like not make any mistakes, right? Uh, and then finally, uh, like let's just consider my three-deck gauntlet. Uh, Parfait, uh, I don't I, I've, I actually uh, defeated the last Parfait the last two matches, and these were uh, pressure matches uh, with Grotog. I defeated Parfait before the land tax ban. So uh, I felt pretty good about my Grotog versus Parfait matchup. But Rich has no respect for Grotog and likely thinks Parfait's favorite in Grotog. Rich also has played very many more Parfait mirrors than I have. And I he's think probably confident that he would What if we had me. just tested the Parfait mirror? No, no, because we value our time and <laughs> our lives. I mean, I I love grinding pre-modern. Are you kidding? Like that's my favorite thing. To the do problem is we wouldn't get any data because we would like we conclude would, game one and no, be like, we would figure out the matchup. Yeah, I mean, whatever. Anyway, it's like like and, uh, I in two thousand and three, right? The there was this card called Compost, which is legal in um, which is legal in pre-modern, right? And so I thought the best deck was mono black. Uh, mono black controls. Actually, this is actually what I wanted to talk about today because of something we had talked about separately. But I'll 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 do your get the getting through counterspell strategy, which is what you want to get to. I know. Um, so there was this deck called Mono Black Control, and um, Kai had made a pretty good version. But the consensus on the planet Earth was that uh, you you could be the best deck, but you just never beat the card Compost after sideboarding. Right. So Compost is. One in a G. One in a G. G. Yeah, one in a G. If whenever. a black card goes to the graveyard, draw a card. So uh, every time you like Anything. innocent blood, smother, etc. Every time, so they always get a card back. And this card can be played by uh, primarily blue green madness was the green deck of choice, but there was also green red, which was a difficult. It was, and and it it's an a, enchantment. Notably, yeah, it cannot be removed by black. Cannot cards. be removed. So I and I was really high on mono black because it was it had such a good game one. With Right, and everyone was just like, it, you, "You, you, can't play this deck because of compost." So I figured out how to beat compost after sideboarding by testing a lot, and I beat two composts in play six times at regionals that year. Uh, and the strategy that I had was to ignore the compost. Yeah, you can draw all the <laughs> fucking cards you want, right? And uh, oh, man, like, I'm I'm not bleeping anything. We're just I'm just being yeah, so, explicit on the podcast. So, uh, so. They're like, well, how would you win, Michael J? And I was like, look, my 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 strategy is just innocent blood and smother all your guys, right? And uh, and they're like, well, that's their strategy. They're just going to keep drawing a card. I'm like, yeah, but if they don't have a creature in play, they're not going to win. Like, unsummon is good. Uh, you just turn smother into unsummon. That's basically what you did, okay? 
And they're like, yeah, that, that they're gonna, you're going to run out of cards. You're not going to be able to destroy all their creatures. I'm like, no, but the game is going to end. And they're like, what are you talking about the game is going to end? I'm going to wait until I have six land in play, then I'm going to cast Duress. And they're like, you can draw a card. Then I'm going to Duress your uh, Circular Logic, and then I'm going to go to Attack Phase, right? And then your Circular Logic is going to fizz at that point. Then I'm going to cast Laquatus as champion. <laughs> they're like, what is Laquatus as champion, you might ask? Well, it's Corrupts five through eight <laughs> that also block any size wild mongrel so i just won with laquatus's champion and play like a bunch of times so we just changed the change the game man yep. like let them have their strategy their strategy don't work anymore yeah i mean so i, I wish people did this more during the land tax like, era because it this was is like kind of like my goal in life as a magic player i i don't think i was ever the Actually, that's not true. I definitely was the best deck designer in the world a couple of times. But my real skill was, like, I made the best sideboards. And, um, you know, uh, that was a case where we had a really, really good sideboard for a really high-level expectation deck. So uh, what I'm saying to you ultimately is we could have tested it and figured it out. Um, yeah, I mean, probably. But then uh, then we would have played a three-hour match, and my wife would start yelling at me. Uh, at about two and a half she, hours in when I was kinda... she's not that big you can like deadlift her right you, that's what you do every Wednesday um, but anyways uh, so we all have Rich on on Parfait uh, like literally everyone I talked and I was the only one who gave Rich credit because I had a simple I had a simple uh, paradigm going in which was that Rich told me himself he was like do you really think Replenish is favored against Parfait and I was like I think it's extremely favored. And Rich is like, I've never lost to, to replenish with Parfait. And I'm like, well, that's because you never you're lose. rich. <laughs> yeah. Like, how can you, how can you, exactly. How, if you're rich, how do you assess whether or not something's a good matchup? You don't lose. You're just like, well, guess my deck's pretty good. No changes. Resubmit. So, so this was a crucial part of my, so fundamentally, it, it came down to him like, how much does Rich respect? Like my opinion, does Rich think that I am a powerful mage? Does he think that when I tell him that replenish his favors, does he believe me? Or is he going to just look what what ended up happening? The reality is that he actually just looked at my deck and he decided there was enough different about how I built my deck that he was scared of it. And that and then but he also decided that it was the only deck that I could choose. And part of his logic for it being the only deck I could choose because was he Grotog was like, is so bad. He was like, Grotog <laughs> is atrocious. Grotog was and, your blue green stasis. <laughs> and so he uh he caught more wins than blue green stasis. Uh everything he, caught more wins than all of my decks. <laughs> he just, just I won one match last year. He um so he he effectively was daring me by picking blue white stifle knot he was like i'm going to hedge against uh lanny effectively choosing his most powerful deck uh in the form of replenish i'm just gonna hedge against that he thought it was the right decision for me and he he made that choice given n absolute zero fear that blue white dreadnought happens to have an atrocious matchup against Grotog. like and i this entire time from week one when I looked at the when I looked at the lineup, I was like, "This is sweet. I get to play Rich in the final week, and I'm going to play Grotog against Rich, and I can actually defeat Goblins, 
Blue White Dreadnought, or Parfait with Grotog. And I like one this of is, your matchups there. This is going like to be that much. this is going to be great uh, because I'm going to prove to Rich that Grotog, you know, is is a deck basically, and because he has effectively zero, you know, he just has no respect for the deck. And so I was like, I got to prove it to him. And then all of a sudden, I was like, well, if I draw the Parfait versus Replenish matchup, that's that's just a walk. And so I got too excited to have a walk. I mean, I guess it was a big swing. We'll call it a big swing. I was too excited to secure you made the right decision. an 80% matchup. No, but you um, made the right decision. I mean, I don't know. I just, I think it was like hard. 80%. Anyways, if I had, I, it's a coin flip. Like, I just didn't have the read. We all didn't have the read. Uh, so Rich had here, the read. So let's just go back to my question, which is more interesting than the inner, inner monologue of a deck no one will ever play and a deck nobody is allowed to play. Right, so those are those are the options of the decks we're talking about right now. Uh, who's the beatdown? Uh, between Blue White Siphonaut and Replenish. In game one, you went first. He played a first turn port, and who's the beatdown? Um, well, it is uh, the the Blue White Replenish player. Okay, the problem is he has he has the classic version of inevitability. He is the both beatdown and the control. Yeah, yeah. You actually don't have a role. I mean, I was. that's why I said right. I was yeah. like, so I have to concede. You I also can... don't have a role in game two or three. You by default have to be the beatdown. You should have played faster. You can't, you literally can't test spell him. Your shit is all four mana, right? So your only option is to outmana him, which you were actually in a position to outmana him and just jam spells. Because if you let him sit there, he's just going to kill you with brain freezes, which happened, right? Your only plan was to have been more aggressive. Well, let's, let's actually you didn't unpack get the this. tools, right? Like, well, I, yeah, I didn't have the tools because I didn't have access to abeyance in game three because they were all at the bottom of my deck. But uh, I actually want to unpack this because you 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 pointed out that I could have intuition for abeyance. But uh, let's not get to because I want to talk about the game in how it applies in broad strokes. Yeah, um, so I think you should not have had the card Swords of Plowshares in your deck. And the reason I think you shouldn't have had the card source of pleasure is because that's the first card he's going to name with Metal Engage, right? Second of all, it's not, it doesn't contribute to your plan, right? So you have, I'll give you a really easy example. I cited out Seal of Cleansing against Flint Espel in, um, in uh, LobsterCon last year, and people thought that was crazy. And I'm like, I can only have 60 cards in my deck. I already have Swords of Pleasures and Abeyance, okay? However... In your situation, I would have cited out sorts of plowshares against his meddling mage deck under the, the thought process that I'd seal of cleansing in abeyance. Seal of cleansing is a demi combo with your four mana, your four mana spells, which uh, is not something that I factored in, but it wasn't it's not as relevant in the matchup I had I had with with Flint. Flint didn't have a bunch of free counter spells and brain freeze, right? So Swords of Plowshares doesn't contribute to your offensive game. Uh, seal of cleansing does. Um, I think I think you, you you had all your exalted angels in though, right? That's correct. I think in game three, I would have had the moxes back in, regardless of how bad they are, because you you just need to outmana him. You don't have a real role. His deck can combo you on turn two. You can combo him on turn four. All right, so he's faster than you. And well, he the, I mean, well, the turn four combo beats the turn two combo, though. I, I'm just saying you need to be faster. I right? I, so, I understand on that fundamentally. I think uh, uh I think there's two things to unpack. One is that uh attempting a brain freeze kill, um is more difficult to accomplish if you are playing a role that allows you to be more controlling, which is like to stockpile your hand with, with counter spells, simply because Brain Freeze does not synergize particularly well with counter spells. You need to have a target to cast your counter spells. Yeah, but 
for the most part, your your so spells cost. So the thing is, he can he has infinite time if he has a handful of counter spells. So your cards all cost four, right? Yeah. That's why that's why you I I thought you had drawn one intuition already at, at some point. I'm sorry, one abeyance, which I thought that you should have intuition for abeyance because abeyance is a two mana spell that acts like a four mana spell in the in the matchup. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as, and as, that like I have to remind you that my. Uh, my replenishes were blank until I cast my second intuition. So my first intuition I cast, I got um, a land because I needed to hit my third land drop. Uh, my second intuition, I had to get one of each uh, Parallax and uh, Opalescence because um, I just didn't have access to them in my graveyard. So the replenish in my hand was not was a blank effectively until that point. But this was what... So I, I had... I thought you should have just... You're, when you needed the land, I thought you should have just intuitioned for deep analysis, uh, for deep analysis, and then flash back to get the land. I, I mean, I, would have I, been that would have been three looks at a land. I had considered I, no, I had considered that line. I just good. didn't want to do um, that much damage. So the problem is that the ancient tomb damage stacks very poorly with the deep analysis damage. And yeah, so but if the, I put myself at like nine or eight or six, uh, which is very likely to happen, because I have to tap this ancient tomb very often. This intuition line it deals. Nine damage to you plus. But his likelihood to win a long game is like ninety-seven percent, right? You you need to exploit all of the advantages you have, and one of the advantages you have is the ability to translate life points into mana. And um, look, it doesn't matter now. This matchup is like not. I mean, maybe it's relevant. I, oh, it's I think like, relevant. We're talking about the 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 best deck in the format versus a deck that I think people play. Yeah, people play, and I think uh, people will be playing more uh, as soon as they uh, save up some cash to buy a full set of soul lands and um, replenishes. But or they could just box diamonds, <laughs> or they could just give them back to their friend who loaned them. <laughs> yeah, or that's the other thing that. they could do. Oh, this is so. This is funny. Look, I, I got like, the mock between the two of us. I have the moxes. You have the intuitions. Okay, I'm a little <laughs> ahead. I'm a little ahead. You haven't needed to borrow the moxes yet, but there's only yeah. But I mean, I also provided the city of traders and like a thousand dollars worth of forecasting. I'm borrowing the city of traders because <laughs> mine are gold bordered. Okay, <laughs> it's only because I didn't want to play gold bordered cards in the PSF. Those those, those city of traders carried me to the pro tour two times but well they've carried me to the top four of the pss so, and they um, could carry me to the top one of the pss we're 37 minutes in we've still only we, talked we about bullshit not to talk about this boring ass match we did we, we, we really uh, did uh so apologies to you so this is what i wanted to say this is my fundamental point so uh we're talking about how to, how to defeat infinite counter spells and so let's talk about let's talk about level zero which is like how do you defeat in like X you counter to, spells. You play you X a, plus one cards. Yeah, right? so you have a have a starting point, right? So yeah. the first paradigm I've written about this a bunch of times because I've been writing magic articles for more than twenty years, and sometimes you get to repeat things because all the people who read the article the first time I wrote it are, are dead now. Are dead because <laughs> they're, they're tired because it's so old, right? <laughs> um, but it's a valuable tool, right? So the the real paradigm you set up is you've got your opponent to two, okay. You, you can't stop. You can't just be like, oh, okay, how do you beat infinite counter spells when both players have 10 lands in play and seven cards in hand? That's not... <laughs> you don't in that, in that situation if they have 20 life, right? If you get them to two, how do you... So people don't know how to get the last two in. That's, the, that's really the thing, especially in formats where there's Absorb, right? So this came up. I played in a Pioneer Pro Tour a couple of years ago. Opponents had Absorb. That, that's, that's an example. Right. So one way to do it is to make it so that even if they have seven counter spells in their hand, they can't cast them. 
right? So if you have seven counter spells in your hand, you need, I don't know, 14, north of 14, 14 mana, mana yeah. right? That's one thing. Versus the proactive player doesn't necessarily need 14 mana to cast seven must counter spells, especially if they're red spells, right? Sometimes they cost zero because they're a lava dart. Sometimes they cost two mana effectively because they're a fire blast, which is also zero, right? You can, you can, uh, they're but the easiest and they're yeah. instants. You, so, so you can cast them on your opponent's instant. Right. But the easiest way to do it, and you could do this with a with Dick's dot deck better because it has Urza's Bauble, right? Is to just like stockpile into more than seven lethal cards, many of which are instant, and uh, you'll get the last two, and that's it's super easy. But people freeze up in these situations; they just don't know what the right plan is. So the right plan is to assume your opponent can stop every spell, but they can only hold seven, right? So you get into a position where um, where you have more than seven, and sometimes that means like discarding jackal puppers. You know, it's a, there's texture to games. Now, this is translatable into a blue on blue matchup. Okay, and so you're like Michael J. How is this translatable into a blue on blue matchup? And the answer is, what did we do in the red on blue matchup? What we did is we talked about a resource which was not cards in hand and not. Um, and so you're like, oh, I'm opponent has seven cards in hand. The resource that we were toppling was their life total, right? Uh, or maybe we're, we're toppling how much mana that they can they're able to deploy in a blue on blue matchup. You just pick a different resource, right? So um, there, one of the reasons I played thawing glaciers and lobstercon last year is, is thawing glaciers is one of the ways to break the paradigm that I'm about to talk about, right? So um, typically, what happens is one player has an insurmountable advantage because they have seven counter spells in their hand, right? And that is often paired with something like an Aphidian, right? So I'm just using an Aphidian as a as a, a proxy for the an ability to deploy more resources yeah. than naturally occur by drawing Sometimes one card. Sometimes it's just a factor turn. fiction. So a factor fiction is not good. Factor fiction is a card in hand and it requires mana. Sure. An Aphidian is great. It's not a card in hand. It doesn't require mana. So, um, so uh, if, for, for purposes of what we're talking about. If you have a factor fiction in your hand, that means that that's four mana that you're not using counter spells, and it's also a card in hand that you pass with that isn't a counter spell, right? So if you're in a blue on blue matchup, and this is one of the reasons I asked Lanny what who's the beatdown. So like, there's a point where if you both keep doing nothing, they have to discard a counter spell. At the point that they discard a counter spell, you win the game. Like that's crazy. How do you win the game? The answer is it's the exact same situation as the red situation, other they're just not at two life. The second they discard a counterspell, you win the game because you now set yourself up to have eight must counter cards. If they discarded a counterspell, by definition, they cannot stop eight must counter cards. This, by the way, is how I lost um, with my, enchant <laughs> my Enchantress against uh, Stasis match last year. I could stop as many must counter threats as the Enchantress deck could propose, except for I took Thawing Glaciers instead of Arcane Denial. <laughs> I'm like, ooh, Thawing Glaciers! <laughs> and so I had one too few counter spells, right? I'm like, I have seven counter spells. You had the How plan. could I lose, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah, so you had the plan, you didn't execute. <laughs> I just said next because I saw the shiny thawing glaciers, the danger of cool things. Yeah, and I the literally the same thing happened to me with the deep analysis because I'm like, so, I just want to cast these deep analysis so yeah, that I so can have eight cards in hand. If you have eight must counter spells, one of the literally must counter spells resolves through seven counter spells. 
Yeah. Now let's look at what Lanny has. So we have to scale this down yeah, yeah, for two yeah. reasons. Let's, one, Rich only had five lands in play, so he couldn't cast seven counter spells. Well, okay? uh, uh, he can cast. Yeah. Let, let allow me to scale it down. Yeah. So Rich has five lands in play. His deck has access to four foil, four counter spell, two annul after and sideboarding, days. and days. So days is not a real counter spell on turn fifteen. It can be, but typically it's not. Uh, it's probably going to pitch the foil, um, but Foil's a free counterspell that sort of synerg synergizes but with Gush. it requires three cards. It requires three cards, but uh, but zero mana. Uh, when paired with Gush, it, it effectively means that on any given turn, I would put the max counterspell. The max counterspell for... Max ability to counter. Yeah, max ability to counter on a given turn of that specific game. No, no, rich. at that point in the game. Yeah, at that point how in many, the game. How many? I, would, I would say that he could, he could effectively cast uh, three, maybe four in the form of uh, counterspell plus counterspell plus so foil. I would maybe put him on counterspell three. annul foil foil, but that would just be wild. I right? would have put him on three, and I would give you a caveat, which is that it might be even lower than three because he was clearly sandbagging at least one brain freeze, and he can't give up the brain freeze. Right. Uh, okay? I mean, let me so, let me add one more thing, which is just that, like uh, specifically, a, a hand that has gush and two foils is the gush gas is the two foils, right? So you pick up four cards, you put them right back down. So yeah. But uh, so so here's the th but then he, he's really in bad brain freeze situation the next yeah. turn. So what you had to have done was to create a two turn cycle where you could cast six spells over two turns. You basically win the game if you just play for that play. Right. He can't beat six spells in two turn cycles with the with the situation that you, that you said. He literally can't. So all you have to do is lace one parallax tide in the middle of the first turn. And then your last card is a replenish. He can't win the game. But you didn't see the play. Uh, yeah. You well, I didn't have access because I because uh, you know, as you pointed out, I had sorts of plowshares in my deck, and so two to three sorts of plowshares over the course of game two and three were effectively rotting in my hand. I also boarded out frantic searches, so I couldn't filter uh, through those sorts of plowshares. Uh, it was I definitely made an error in that point, but but I actually want to go back to to the original paradigm, which is which is pretty exciting because you know initially. Uh, we were talking about the match, and you're just like, "Oh, Lanny, you're so dumb. You don't understand how to beat <laughs> infinite counterspells." And I said, yeah. "Mike, look at my sideboard. I brought in 15 cards in this matchup because I do understand how to defeat counterspells. I brought in four bands, mana short, and three exalted angel. I, I brought in eight more must counter spells to uh, effectively put myself in a, and, and a cards that draw more must counter spells to put myself so I in think, a paradigm. Let me. I think let exalted angel is only good if you have sword splashers in your." Well, let me, you had them both in your deck. Yeah, of course. I mean, well, but, let me gas myself and, up even further. Yeah. Because uh, the genius of, of bringing in deep analysis is that most people... No, that people, one's good. I Let me explain why. <laughs> the, the reason why this is exciting and the reason why it's better than fact or fiction is because, as Michael Hoyt pointed out in the commentary, you have four intuition in your main deck. You don't want to cast intuition to, to put two must counter spells in your graveyard and only put one in your hand. But because you can intuition for deep analysis, all of a sudden... Intuition could conceivably be a spell that's enticing to counter, and you'd take no loss of resources in your deck by putting deep analysis in your hand. Yeah, in your it grid. was awesome. The fault of Lanny was not casting them. Uh, <laughs> there were like two deep analysis in your graveyard at the point you lost the game. That's true, and I, and it was because I didn't. I I was trying to calculate um, the amount of runway. I mean, uh, think about ancient tomb as like a gemstone mine. Uh, as having the gemstone mine text on it, 
Yeah, you you can only tap aggressive. it about four times, but I probably tapped it twice, and yeah, I probably so could have tapped it two because, times. Because, like I'm saying, the situation we talked about, if you cast six spells in two turn cycles, I literally don't think Rich can, can stop you. Yeah, I mean, I, I again, uh, I may or may not have had access to it. One weird uh, dimension Yeah, but if you it. had cast your deep analysis, you would have had access well, if to I cast, four more cards. At some point, if I cast two spells in a turn, I actually opened myself up to the brain freeze line. Uh, but anyways... Yeah, but you, what? so here's the thing. I think you have to play. Okay, Brain Freeze is an interesting card. It's a burn <laughs> card, right? Yeah. It's a burn card that could do 18 points of damage. Yeah, it's that's a, not 20. It's an erratic right? explosion. Yeah. yeah. So, so like, yeah, he's got Brain Freeze, but like, you had to have to win the game because he has Brain Freeze. It's true. Right. Yeah. Well, so, each like, deep analysis I cast puts me further. Anyways, I don't want to. Yeah, but I don't it wanna... doesn't. But it's a, It's like. He, it's a it's a card that does 18 it doesn't so, suddenly do 20 because you deep analysis it might still do 18 uh let, let's talk more broadly too so i wanted to add a dimension to this which is that um in my i i have played effectively all of my pre-modern era magic uh up until i was uh like the age of 16 or 17 and i played all my uh modern era contemporary era magic um uh starting in uh 2018 so in that time, the interaction between decks that contain counterspells and, and contain a volume of counterspells, because effectively no contemporary uh, magic deck contains more than like six counterspells. Like three counterspells. Yeah. Like, I'm like, it's like one spell snare, yeah. <laughs> one dispel, and a mana leak. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it'll, I mean, it'll be like some mix of spell pierces. Like, it'll be like two force yeah, negation, four counterspell. Four, uh, what's the one that is in... Pioneer that cost one. Uh, this spell, spell, yeah, he played four spell, spell pierce yeah, in yeah. his blue, blue, red deck. Um, but like, you know, you know like, what, what's blue, red Delver have? It has like six forces and four dazes. Like, it's like, you know, it's all forces. They don't even yeah, play so, so, yeah, so there was a transition between at some point, there was a transition because the threats are too cheap. That's yeah, the real. There was real no reason. longer, there was yeah. no longer a, um, there was no longer effectively what we there's blue white land still doesn't exist anymore right there's just no deck what, that is blue white land what, what do you think was the last great like counter spell control deck oh uh, i mean it, and when and i would say deck? i would say that because i rejoined magic in 2019 the yeah. pre-imminent counter spell deck was blue white control celestial colonnade blue white control and teferi hero of dominaria had already been printed in and modern so, yeah yeah so we had already moved away from the era of the like draw go like gas back up with factor fiction style cards and then keep countering cards keep you know wrath of godding like yeah that, i guess that just you had, ended. i guess you just had a hole in your yeah i missed it i just missed yeah it. i think I, I was just gonna brag so i think that the last great counterspell deck was five color mono blue dragons 2000 michael j flores 2015 uh so which is uh was notably on the mothership as the most creative deck that they they <laughs> never had in 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 uh in play design uh but yeah so that deck had like four Silmgar scorn and like 20 dragon lords <laughs> um, you, you know this deck this is the deck i flew to utah to play no of course and i won the, why oh why? and i, I won really the utah regional <laughs> it's like just graduated college i won the career. utah regional with it don't have I'm not checking in on michael J. Um, so you, you went back and looked. Like, oh my gosh, the second a lot of dragon lords. <laughs> I was like more like, oh my god, what the, what is happening to magic? Like, what are these <laughs> cards? 
uh, why are there dra- like why are people playing dragons in competitive magic? Like, why you know, why is the there Dragon Lord of Tarka in this mono blue deck? <laughs> um, okay, so I tell this anecdote all the time. PSS four, Thomas Matelski, Thomas Corrado Matelski versus Aaron. Don't know his middle name. Dix. Aaron Dix. We'll go with Long. Aaron Long Dix. Aaron Long Dix. Mono black zombies. He's got Thomas Corrado Matelski. Down to how much life, Mike? Two. Maybe two one. Life. Wow. Maybe one. But one what, is, what one does or Corrado two. have? Corrado has. Fact or fiction. Game's over. He's about to draw two to three cards of the fact or fiction. He's going to stabilize the game. He's going to gas up with Wrath of God. Uh, game is over. Aaron Dix plays a zombie. Thomas counters it. Aaron Dix plays I don't know. A Mishra's Factory or something. Thomas swords it. Aaron Dix plays a zombie. Passes the turn. Thomas, he's got nothing. He cast Factor Fiction. He's got nothing. So, why am I obsessed with this story? Because it was just never happened in contemporary magic. In contemporary magic, after the board has been stabilized, there is no longer any runway for your opponent because you're going to drop this like gigantic Teferi Hero of Dominaria style card. Jace the Mind Sculptor style card. Now it's just like friggin' solitude and just like all sorts well, yeah, of... Yeah, because they, like, the fundamental difference in contemporary magic and magic the way that it should be played is that all the power in pre-modern... Not all the power, but uh, the like 75% of the power in pre-modern is in spells. And now like 90, yeah. 95% of the, the power in contemporary magic is in permanent. So 52 minutes into the podcast, I have my first like thing that I want to share first important thing that I wanted to share in pre-modern you can just run your cards into a counter spell nothing's going to happen to you like nothing your opponent's not going <laughs> to so, untap the next turn and kill you because their counter spell deck does what, not have the no, capacity I don't to do know. that that's not With, 100% true I, what look, if they're what if they're Jeff Ferris like you might do that and he just blows up all your land well he doesn't have access to counter spell because so this and and Luckily for us, you know, we've, we've continued to work on the Dreadnought deck, introducing Armageddon into the deck. Don't um, tell everybody before the 1.5 He did it on camera. <laughs> oh, man, I'm going to... Am I really playing Stupid Impulse? I, I don't have to play that Phyrexian Furnace. Mike, why. what is more important to you? The the utility and entertainment and, and strategic value of sharing our podcast with the world or winning one stinky tournament because of a 1% edge because one person at the tournament like listen to the podcast is like, oh, I, I'm going to be ready for Armageddon. Maybe, maybe having a better podcast is playing a character who pretends that he cares <laughs> about the 1% edge. I don't know, Lanny. It's not pretending. I just started podcasting. Listeners, I've never created listeners, any content before. Listeners, it's not pretending. It is, it's not pretending. What do so, I know about how to display So we have Armageddon tech. And, and then typically, right, um, the, the haymaker would be like, counter your spell, and then now, now I'll play Dreadnought, right? Daze your spell, and then now I'll cast Dreadnought. Against three seal of cleansings in play, that's not a particularly enticing line. But I had the fear. I had the fear because I've learned the fear from my play in Contemporary Magic, which is just that, like, I in my mind, I was like, I need to cast all these deep analysis first. Because... If I pass you the turn, you didn't cast them. I mean, I cast them. Uh, I ca- I cast them in a way that, like, like the ones that I did cast, I tried to minimize the damage that I took to myself because I was I was concocting a script 
that included never tapping my ancient but, tomb because uh, until like the last turn that I could. Given the fact that that meddling mage was going to kill you the next turn, what went through your head when Rich did nothing to save it? Uh, <laughs> I, I, didn't you know the jig was up at that point? Because no, that my, thing was going to kill you next turn. Yeah, my brain was like broken. I was just like, my I, I spent five minutes tanking that turn. Oh, no, no, no. Will Robinson the, should have been like, Danger, Will Robinson. Danger, Will I, Robinson. I spent five minutes tanking. I made my play expecting my spell to get countered. It didn't get <laughs> yeah. countered. And then Rich hand-sized a mage the next turn. Yep. And then I was like, what's in his hand? The jig is up, bro. I mean, I didn't I didn't have the read. Anyways. I, but there, there's no read there. Meddling Mage is the best card of the matchup. <laughs> he let you deal with the first one, then discarded the next one. Well, yeah, and the and the I mean, answer was now, Rich had an account on my like, library, like and he fuse, knew what it was. Dead. The fuse is like da -da 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 -da. the fuse is coming, <laughs> like it's about to hit the dynamite. Yep, um, but I think this is interesting because you know the the fact that you don't get punished for um, like the biggest punish is factor fiction, right? So say you're scared of counter spells, you pass the turn because you don't want to get your spell countered. You're, the punish is, is factor fiction. Your opponent casts factor fiction, they gas back up. So in this matchup, Rich doesn't have Factor Fiction. His punish for, for me essentially stumbling on a turn and, and walking into a daze, walking into a counterspell, is to play Dreadnought, but I've cut that angle off. So all of a sudden, as Rich mentioned, he's kind of a weird storm deck that also happens to have like meddling major, you know. Yeah, but whatever. He, he's like it's weird. He has like an I win situation also, yeah. right? Like he literally just can I mean on on the play he can just I win you on turn two. Yeah, right? he has a lot of you do about he, it, he has right? no, like, he has plenty of choices for how he wants to end the game. So, um, anyways, like you see what I'm saying here, though, that like it's it's very interesting to me because I, I I had essentially been conditioned of just like if you get your four mana spell countered by something, like your opponent's gonna untap and like just do something horrible to you, and then you're just gonna like you know whatever. In in my situation, I could have also started presenting threats sooner. Yeah, that's what I'm, I'm saying. You to, had yeah. to cast spells, right? Uh, and and. In, Rich has access to 10 counter spells. I have access to, as I mentioned, uh, you know, after sideboarding, I, I, I have access to, uh, you know, whatever, 20 ish threats or like 12. Yeah, but so, or for solve the first intuition, you basically have hand size plus eight. Yeah. Okay. So you're, I think the onus is on you. And then hand size plus eight comes at a price of nine, nine life points. Okay. Yeah. So well, like, in this case, it would be two ancient tomb taps plus any amount of deep analysis. Okay. So that's thir plus. that's thirteen life. That yeah. means you still have seven, right? The, but my point being, and seven is enough with two ancient tombs in play to cast five must counter spells, right? So maybe not six. But my my ultimate point being that you had to have tried to be the beatdown, and like the waiting game, the waiting game just super favors Rich at the point that he's discarding meddling mage, like. You have to know that you need to you need to you now need to constrict his mana because if he can tap any of it, you're dead to brain freeze. Like that that's the only possible read. But we we said we were going to talk about this match, and we just talked nothing about nothing well, I about, talk about. I wanted to bring the reality of the match to like this like broader sense because a lot of the part of part of this reason why this match is interesting is because within the next few months, people are going to start talking. Like they don't know how to beat this blue white dreadnought deck because Lantax is gone, 
and and the and the complaining Every, is going to start. So, Lantax and Dreadnought are so different. First of all, to be clear, the best card in pre-modern now is Phyrexian Dreadnought. If if somebody's going to get banned, he's next up in line. I get just for sure. I don't think he should get banned, but he's next up in line. But there's a gigantic difference between I can't play magic and everybody can kill this thing. Mono green can kill this thing with impunity, right? I'll just give you, I mean, uh, so BK and I were just doing our own commentary booth this, this week. We're just like just shouting commentary at each other. And I was just commentating like, like the Jeff against Alvaro match. And I'm like, on one hand, I'm like, I, so like BK, I guess, bet all of his channel points, all of his channel points on Alvaro, and I'm like, well, Jeff has a huge deck advantage, and also Alvaro's deck is terrible, right? And so, um, Alvaro, like, somehow wins with his stupid powder keg strategy, but Jeff has deck advantage, because Alvaro doesn't have meddling mage. I'm just sitting here lolling, I'm like, oh, wow. Imagine there was just a 2-2 in play. Like, Jeff could not attack him with all these 1-1s, which is what he's doing right now. Like, if there's just literally just a 2-2 in play, and Could be a hammerhead so, shark. Doesn't have so, to be meddling me. Yeah, so and I was just like, the thing that's terrible about this is I really need Alvaro to win because if Alvaro wins, Lanny gets top four, right? But like, like I don't know. Like, the match was not well played on either side and separately, Alvaro's deck is straight up bad and Jeff won because his deck has huge deck advantage. Right? Like, people who think like, if you... Anyone who's ever actually played the elves side competently against the 12-12 side, elves is ahead. Nobody beats 12-12 all the time. It's, you know, probably the best deck. But elves is ahead. Dude, if you want to beat 12-12, you just, like, add crumbles to your team of naturalizing. Literally, he just Utabi orangutan 12-12. It's three drop. Just, like, literally, and I mean, the litany of things that I said about that Utabi orangutan as it hit the table... Like B, I think BK probably was thanking his lucky stars that he was wearing Depends, because otherwise there would have been a mess on the couch at Misty Mount, right? <laughs> like it's just, it's just not a great matchup for twelve twelve, right? Like, you know, you talked to Tom Matelski, maybe the best player in pre-modern, one of the best players in pre-modern. He has stupid Lanny Rock ahead of twelve twelve, right? We all do. Um, we all do. I mean, when I was on the Lanny Rock side and you're on the twelve twelve side, you beat me because. How, how stupid do you have to be to play the rock, right? That, that's where that where that came up. But like the rock is supposedly ahead against twelve twelve. You know, Aaron Dix is not ahead against twelve twelve. We've but, got we have uh you know the team can't decide whether or not Landstill is favorite. Uh, I think Landstill is ahead by a mile, and so does Tom. And like if you just look at our sideboards now, I don't understand how twelve twelve could ever win. But sure, let's let's pretend that that. That Tom and I have not won this matchup 100% of the time that we've played it. Just let's say that we either of us has ever lost that match. I mean, is, Fran, Fran was felled in the Misty Mountain top eight uh, in that matchup. Killed yeah, by his you know why? Because it's a super easy matchup for Landstill. No. Super easy. I don't understand no, no, why this he is was He was playing Landstill, Mike. You forget. He was playing Landstill. He got defeated by Nate But he probably threw it just because he loves the other guys. <laughs> also, also, Fran beat Tom. In the exactly exactly the, the but I've, I've never lost this. Never. i mean uh fran has never lost from the blue white dreadnought side um has he ever played against L landy ho sideboard one time 
Uh, I mean, can't, that's the, that's the thing. It's like yeah, you can't resolve a spell. Good luck. We haven't ran it. We haven't ran it. We haven't ran it. I've run it. No, we haven't like ran. You know, we haven't like ran it the right way. Like, I'm just saying, if that card resolves, the blue, the twelve stones like has literally no plan. The card cannot of course, win either way. Card of course is Arcane Lab. Um, yeah. but uh, stops the freeze plan and it stops the twelve twelve plan. Um, yeah, but you know, good you luck can, beating a beating a mistress factory. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> again, one, uh, you know, the we we can update. Well, we're gonna actually just inbred test this. <laughs> we'll, we'll upgrade uh, more nulls into twelve twelve sideboard, and then the Armageddon thing is a lot more threatening than Winter Orb, uh, as we found out. Uh, and then uh, if we don't, if we're too scared of Arcane Lab, then we can just cut the brain freezes. Um, but, but I mean. Brain Freeze is super good. I mean, but even like Jordan N has Arcane Lab. Yeah. Right? Like, right, Brain Freeze is not. You're, like, you're still asking the Landstill player to resolve a three mana spell when they don't actually have that. But many they're ahead on the. Spells. So the other thing is, people don't get this. I watch people sideboard, they side out Standstill. We're like, Standstill is one of your best cards. Like, the 12th deck basically has to break it. Because they only have like eighteen land. I guess. So I guess this is why we need to start writing primers and sideboard guides. Like, because, like, because. <laughs> like, look at how Etai lost that match against Selden. He had to cast spells to hit his land drops. Yeah. So like, Standstill's insane because the other guy has to cast an opt or a sleight of hand or a portent or an impulse. Yeah, but just let's to not, hit his land drop. I mean, let's just assume that the Standstill pl player, like, we have to assume that both players are behaving well. I mean, this is a problem with data. No, but that's the only way they can play. Or they just sit here with no land drop on turn three? Yeah, good luck winning. Yeah, Mike, I understand You that. also can't critical mass with, with brain freeze if what, you play. What I'm trying to say is that we have to, we have to kind of cut through the noise because a big, a big, a big thing is that, um, uh, you know, people play these matchups wrong and then get wrong data from it. So uh, the problem is we we also sound like those same people if we like don't establish like the 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 rules of a game like don't establish the context right so effectively what I'm just trying to say is that we don't have a good context that we can share with our audience about like what happens when you run up a prepared blue white dreadnought player against a prepared blue white landstill player what happens we don't actually know what's going to be the outcome of that matchup I suspect. That if you take, you know, uh, Landy Ho and and run him up, up against now Rich Shea, the now the preeminent blue white uh, person that I fear. Just kidding, I, I fear all. I fear Tom Fran and Rich, but I fear Rich. Um, in this after scenario. after the one point five k, are you gonna fear me? Well, you can't decide on what deck you're gonna play, so that's uh, so. Wait, I know what deck I'm gonna play. I I Mike. I'm not in the business of fearing you, okay? That already didn't play out for me well one time, so I'm just not going to yeah. let it happen again. Heroes okay. win, bad fool, guys die. Fool me once, <laughs> fool me once, shame on me, but I'm not going to let you fool me again, <laughs> as the great George W. Bush <laughs> said. Um, so, uh, anyways, the, I'm sorry that we talked way too much about Replenish. Uh, did you want, did, well, you, you shared the Mono Black story because you, you had something you wanted to share. Yeah, so... I actually, I'll do this if you, I'll flip a coin around. I'll do this if you want. No, right? let's I was going to play. I was going to play Lands Mulch deck on Tuesday, right at the meetup. Um, Are we going to talk like, about black? Is this the? I was just like, but if if the listeners want it, I'll just play black. No, like, people, the listeners want it. Like, basic I mean, I have swamp, to brew a black deck. Basic but swamp I don't, is so hot right now. <laughs> I don't know how many Nantuko husks I or Nantuko. What's his Shades. name? Shades. Shades I own because I. 
so one of the things that I did back in like 2003 was not play Nanduko Shade. And I think maybe you're supposed to play it. Um, I don't know. I'm just going to like make a black deck off the top of my head. Uh, and people will say it's the rock. Yeah, uh, that's true. But, you know, it's probably the rock. Can we Who get knows? some Braids Cabal Minion in, in there? No, I mean, I think I would just play like. Are so you, you play think Dark about Ritual? Like, no. Okay. Nice. Already just, in. Just be like, probably, I'm just going to brew this. I'm going to say this words off the top of my head. Like, dress. <laughs> innocent blood. <laughs> this, is, this is us. This is us two trying to list the I mean, best black my cards. Dress. Innocent blood. Word to your smother. Vasara the dreadful. Oh, my God. Um, How's that getting into play? We're tapping six. It's going to dress you and it's going to resolve. Ancient Tomb? No. Ancient Tomb. I'm going to play Tainted Wood. <laughs> gonna play. This deck has this deck has uh, my buddy. My buddy, Pernicious Dean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's going to be the rock. That's why people say it's the rock. You're just going to build the rock. You're just like finish it. also it. has Spirit Monger. Ten hours <laughs> in the tank. Ten hours so in I'm the just tank like, comes out. Sorry. Just like, I just Here's my mono black deck. It has Pernicious Deed Spirit Monger and Natural Eyes. <laughs> We're like, hey guys, I won the meetup with, with Mono Black Control. They're like, that's the rock. <laughs> I think we had um like two bangers. Or actually we're kind of on like a banger episode into like non-banger episode cadence with the podcast. I think we're on a non-banger. But like no, you this said, is we gotta put it out. I there. like this one. This <laughs> um no, so I I, th I, I wanna play Landsec. I think it's gonna be fun to play. Because I wanna play it before the 1.5k. So you and know then how if to I defeat it. No, if I win then I can go on life tilt, right? So like I won all those meetups in a row with Landstill and then decided to play Landstill at LobsterCon, even though I knew that Argent not was the best deck. I'm like, I win all of them and I beat Itai. I beat Itai. I must be the Landstill master. Yeah, I could have just, Itai just played 12-12 at the volleyball meetup. I won that one. And then he played 12-12 at LobsterCon. He won that one. Oh my God. I... <laughs> I want to tell this story because it uh, it doesn't make me look good. It just makes me look savage. But Etai played Blue White Dreadnought against Dave Kaplan at that volleyball meetup. Yeah. Itai, this doesn't make this. I, I was there. This story doesn't make any sense to me. I will explain it to you. Maybe maybe you haven't listened to how. Maybe I just didn't provide enough context. But I'll provide the context here. Uh, Etai plays Blue White. Dave Kaplan's playing Blue White. So both of them are playing Blue White Dreadnought. <clears throat> Kaplan reaches out to Sensei Lanny Huang. I don't have a middle name, so I can't do the middle name thing. Um, reaches out to Sensei Lanny Huang. He says, uh, I think Mono Blue Dreadnought is kind of like Blue Red Delver, and Blue White Dreadnought is kind of like Grixis Delver or Blue, Blue Red X Delver. And I'm like, uh, Dave Kaplan has won a 10K with uh, Blue Red Delver. I'm like, I yeah. don't know Delver as good as you. But I know that blue white dreadnought is better than mono blue dreadnought. It just like I don't know how to explain it to you in legacy terms in Delver language, but it's better. And what does Grixis get over blue red? I don't know. Gurmag angler, snuff out. Nothing. Uh, Orcish bowmasters now, but let's yeah, let's, but that's let's but not... there was no Orcish bowmasters. Yeah, at exactly. The time that at you the won, time, right? Yeah. Like so. <laughs> that's very different from getting a bunch of cards that are insane. Uh, well, that's what blue white dreadnought does is that it That's gets a saying. bunch of cards so actually things. pause for a second because it's worse than that yeah mono blue plays 
on average, six unplayable cards. Like, because there's just not enough cards to play in mono blue. So you're just playing, like, Reality Ripple, Misdirection, Disrupt. I, I do want to point all out... All bad. I want to point out that Dave Kaplan had the best card that best bad card that i've seen in mono blue dreadnought in the form of merchant scroll i actually thought that was like an acceptable bad card to play if you weren't going to play meddling mage um but yeah but they're but they're but they're just a bunch of bad cards so kaplan starts kaplan starts grinding the magic online league of course he's better than you know but he's very good so that's yeah, the he's better than most other players so he was just he was just like winning Blue, white, mono blue, doesn't matter. He was like 4 one 5 0 all the time, you know, making deep runs in the playoffs. Um, and he runs up against Itai in the blue-white mirror the week before LobsterCon. This is at effectively... The volleyball, at yeah, the volleyball, volleyball meetup, the last uh, in-person testing time that people get. Who Itai, won the volleyball meetup? Michael, who won that particular Mike, volleyball meetup? You, oh, you've already said that you won it, okay? Oh, who won, who's won every volleyball... I'm just, I don't know. Who's won every volleyball meetup? <laughs> I think it's a man by the name of Michael J. Flores. Let me continue with my story. In one of the Itai, volleyball meetups, did he play against Lanny Huang in the top four? Oh, my God. I don't know. We could just clear this up for the listeners. <laughs> the listeners know, Mike. Uh, Itai defeats Dave Kaplan, puts Dave Kaplan off of blue-white dreadnought. Unbelievable. He's just, like, not into the deck. I actually don't ask him. I didn't ask him this because I, like, didn't know for sure, like, what was happening. Flash forward, we're in the 3-0 bracket of LobsterCon. I'm riding high. I'm, my Twitter thread's blowing up. I'm like, yo, I'm 3-0. This is hype. And who do I run up against than none other than Dave H. Kaplan? And Kaplan leads with Basic Island. And I'm like, oh, no. I just heard that Kaplan is playing Blue-White Dreadnought at the meetup. He's going to Blue-White Dreadnought me. Blue-White Dreadnought, bad matchup for my parfait. Mona Blue Dreadnought, perfectly fine, because I have Meddling Mage in the sideboard, and it's unbelievably good. So he leads with Basic Island, and then he just keeps playing Basic Islands, and I'm like, wait. <laughs> I'm good. And over the course of three games, I, I just kind of win. Game two, I win with Meddling Mage. I just play Meddling Mage, and it's over. Game three, I win with a combination of Meddling Mage and Xur's Weirding with, without Ivory Tower backup, because I, I have a clock, and he doesn't. You're just beating him down for two. Uh, exactly. <laughs> And so Wait, you just like deny the 12 12s then? Yeah, you literally just all you deny yeah, is if you have 12, eight 12, life, you win the game. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Like 12 12 is an impulse, exactly. Um, and uh, so Itai at that volleyball meetup uh, effectively uh, sealed my fate uh, into the top eight uh, thanks to putting Dave Kaplan off uh, blue so white. The reason this story doesn't make any sense to me is I also played Kaplan at the volleyball meetup. And. Um, and so I beat him with Landstill, right? And so the thing that we had is this long conversation, and I'm just like, oh, you need you need two last breath in your sideboard, right? And he only had one last breath. That's why I won, right? So uh, and I'm like, if you had two you, last you breath. you had Landstill with meddling mages. Yeah. So I'm like, if you just had last breath, you would have gotten the second one and it comboed me off. But like, he's like, oh, that's the secret. You just literally just need a second last breath. I'm like, yeah, you also need it for the mirror match. If they only have one last breath and you have two, you're the advantage of the mirror match. And Itai had two last breaths against Dave's one, which is probably why he won. Um, he had he had two last breaths at the volleyball. Must have. We were just playing Fran Argent. Not Fran had already figured Fran, out two last. Fran had, had Fran had one. He had been considering. How do you do you think I know about two last breaths by myself? No. That sounds like, 
on your bingo card, you're just like, Mike figured out the second last breath. No, that that never happened. No, no. I knew that Fran was like, okay, this is my narrative. My narrative is that Fran was just like, last breath is actually so good. He's like, I don't even know if it's one last breath. I think it could be two last breath. And in fact, I think in the video that he published right before or right after LobsterCon, he had one last breath in the very last list right before LobsterCon. And then I, on Thursday night, was building Itai's deck, figuring out the 15th sideboard slot. Um, and then I just was like, two last breath. And then Fran was like, yeah two last breath so i thought that we had arrived the team had finally solidified two last breath at the 11th hour but maybe yeah, I've it had that must have been wrong. earlier because i had this conversation with kaplan and there's zero percent chance I figured it was an original myself. idea okay cool. no way i figured this out i mean myself. flash forward to now two last breath i don't know if everyone's got two last breath three last breath territory maybe <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but if you have three last breath at some point, are you cutting the Phyrexian furnace? You're cutting the source of What caution. is up with the Phyrexian? The thing that kills me is I watched that match, and the Phyrexian furnace destroyed Fluffy. I mean, he was annihilated by this stupid furnace. Uh, shout out like, to uh, Francisco. Check out his latest YouTube video in which he solidifies his Champions of Champion crown against Fluffy in... None other than the Blue-Eyed Dreadnought versus Replenish matchup. It, it was not close. And that Phyrexian Furnace, like, Fluffy's just dead on turn one. So I'm just like, all right, so basically, it's like eight cards versus 60. It's like, it's, it, like Fluffy has eight cards in his entire 75 that matter, and Fran has more than eight one-for-one -one responses to those, in addition to the other... 66 cards in his yeah we spent <laughs> we like, literally spent three weeks roasting fran about this phyrexian furnace yeah and like and he's like he's like on the defense he's taking body blow to body blow he's like look it was just an experimental list like i but, know like whatever but it's actually kind of good early and literally <laughs> if you're fluffy you're just like i can just never win because like fluffy can only try to win by critical mass at this point it was which a, is, it was a sweet like, sequence because Fran was like, oh, he drew the furnace. It was like actually turn four or five. He's like, yeah. he's like, oh, he drew the furnace. He's like, play furnace. And Fr uh, Fluffy was like, I will seal cleansing your furnace. And Fran was like, I will stifle that. And then it was like, okay, like somebody needs access to Exalted Angel. But that's neither here nor there. Yeah, best but, deck, I mean, not the best list. It was, it was, I mean, that furnace, that furnace looked like you had glued Usain Bolt's legs to LeBron James. <laughs> like, it was unreal. It was the double goat. Like, um, it was literally Phil Mickelson swinging his arms in a casual golf match on LeBron James's perfect human body that, that has been perfected by science. Not just, <laughs> not just, like, a lifetime of grinding it out in the gym, LeBron James makes his annual pilgrimage to Germany where he just, you know, swaps out all the old parts. He's just, you know, people are like, oh, at like 38 years old, why is he still playing at all-star level? Well, the answer is German automotive engineering is <laughs> now. Uh, well, Mike, uh, I'll have to ask you the question then. Phryrexian Furnace, is it in your, yeah, is it in your in the, 60? It's going to be the stupid. I, is it in your 60? That's my question. Yeah, it's in my 60. I don't want to play the impulses, oh but like God. I get the 
I get Did you see argument. those impulses? Yes, I saw it. I saw it all, Lanny. <laughs> I saw it all. Okay. Those impulses were so good. Game winners. Every single one. Every yeah. single time you path cast impulse. Game winner. One Mattel time he was like, you, one time he impulse. He was the dealer in that last <laughs> match. When he was, I mean, that turn he was just like, tap for white. Gush! I was like, "Oh my god, <laughs> he just gushed! He just gushed!" <laughs> and then did he get in six for two, and then played a land, and I was just like, "Oh my god, Lady's gonna be in top four. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I didn't get to watch it live. I was already in bed, but I, yeah, it was. Thank God. I mean, he literally tapped for white and then cast the card gush. Yeah. <laughs> just like, yep. match is over. <laughs> That's getting his face up on the table, Mike. But I like the dramatic ad. Uh. I mean, it was very exciting to watch Lanny. At some point, I, I, some I, of I, us were paying attention us, to the, to the pre-modern showdown series because we had friends in the pre-modern showdown <laughs> series that we were cheering for from our couch in Brooklyn, New York. So I don't know. Like, I guess other people were doing aerial silks. I get, I get the, I get the sense that you don't like it when I tell tell the listeners that you're lying. To them. <laughs> I get the sense that you you much prefer to just lie. Oh, this is the this is the most hilarious part, right? So I'm like, I I literally call Matelski while he's doing commentary, and I'm like, I call him, I'm like, stop the match, and he's just like, what are you talking about? I'm like, stop the match, right? <laughs> and then and he's just like, why? I'm like, because Lady played a flooded street and didn't bury city of traders. So anyway, on the team chat, like the next day, I'm like, good guys win, I guess, including Lanny, and Lanny's just like, whose side are you on? And I'm like. Bitch, I called the man <laughs> to rat you out about the city of traitors. Whose side do you think I'm on? <laughs> I would have figured it out eventually. I, I like tapped it that turn. I feel I mean, I don't know. I feel stupid, obviously, but I might I literally just couldn't it was comprehend corrected. what was happening. It was, it was correct. I just thought it was hilarious. I was just like, I literally ran you out. I wanna add this. Freaking freaking Mike Hoyp, Tom Matelski, like um like Rich missed a port and draw. And so what happened on the floor was that Rich was like, I, did I draw for my portent? And I said, if you have six cards in your hand right now, you did because you ended the turn with yeah. six cards. And then he was like, I do have six cards. I'm like, great, draw a card. And so Rich was just like, in case anybody thought that he was like drawing a random card in the middle of the turn, he just like informed the commentators. He was like, hey, uh, I missed a portent trigger. Commentators for the next like 15 seconds are just like, well, you know, Lane should just give it. I mean, it's, what's happened? Like, like whatever. Lane should give you're it back. giving him the port. I like I had already given it back to him and and they were like in this thing. And I was just like, guys, I, I already gave it back to him. Like, who do you think I am? He get like he gave me but the CD traders like they were they were creating drama. for the folks <laughs> Yeah, they were home. just like I was like, I was like, you know, I don't need people coming into my mentions saying that I'm a dirty cheater and like an angle shooter. You dirty cheated PSS. and you angle shot and you still managed to lose? Yeah, exactly. Come on, man. Um, I have a goat on my shirt because I'm wearing my Misty Mountain shirt. Yeah, I see your Misty Mountain shirt. I was going to change it to my Misty Mountain shirt. I keep my it's Misty in the background. Mountain shirt in the background. Uh, you should play black. I, I, let's keep talking. Sorry. We're, we're, All right, let's so, talk, about, talk about this black deck. Let me talk about a, a black deck that I'm working on. <clears throat> All right. I've, I've told you about this, right? So, turn one, Ancient Tomb. Sick. Turn two. Black source, Mox Diamond, Braid's Cabal Minion. Seems pretty good, right? Or turn one, Ancient Tomb, Mox Diamond, face down Exalted Angel. Turn two, attack with face down. How many things can I do with four mana so that my deck can just be all Ancient Tomb, City of Traders, Mox Diamond, 
uh, maybe a Mind Stone or whatever. This is literally the question that you ask every time you make any deck. Yeah. So I will just point out, like, oh, what cards does Lanny like? I don't know. Did you look at his PSS decks? He has 12 Mox Diamonds <laughs> across every color combination. <laughs> it is red-based sorcery-finding white land tax deck. He has four Mox Diamonds in his weirdo, like, 1212's black blue cousin. <laughs> he has four Mox Diamonds. Also green. Also red. <laughs> I mean, the deck. card that produces every color. Yeah, so, so can I, I mean, I mean, isn't this something? Turn one, no, turn two braids, turn two braids, turn two smoke attack, turn two attack with Exalted Angel, turn two, I don't know. Uh, I was initially just being like, I'm going to play turn two Blaster Germs. Game's going to be over. All right, so did you listen to me? I didn't finish Mano's podcast with Land because it's I, like, I'm waiting for my commute like, on Tuesday. It's like three hours long. So I, I got through the first half. But one of the things that Mano was talking about was like how frightened you are about certain things. Like he's just like analyzing you as a teammate about like, Everybody has biases, right? But he, he was Mano's really... not on the team, okay? Mano needs to come come in. No, no, as a us. teammate when you were doing three on three versus me. <laughs> okay, okay, thank yeah, you. Yeah. So so um so uh he's he's talking about this and he's just talking about your biases, which are interesting, right? And, and I, he's just like and you know, I think Lan and Mano kind of came to the conclusion like you just aren't from our generation, right? Oh, yeah. Like we just don't worry about this shit, right? Like and like and so I was just thinking, like, well, when is it right? to worry about things the way that uh, Lanny does. And I think that um, you should err on different sides depending on how good you are. That's that's always been my my, my thought, right? Like, if you are if you think you're the best, you think you have the best deck, then you you don't want to err on the side of variance, yeah, right? You like, play 18 you, lands. In your you want the deck. minimum amount of variance <laughs> if you think that you're good, right? However, if you think that the average player is better than you, <laughs> you want all lands. the variance, right? Like, <laughs> You want to get luck because luck, luck always favors you because even if it's bad luck, who cares? You were going to lose anyway on the merits, <laughs> right? So that that's kind of that's the way that that you should kind of think about this. But I was thinking about it just now, just like, well, what are my biases like? And so when you say certain stuff, and I'm like, that's awful. And the reason that I think that it's awful is I've played a lot of pre-modern meetups, and I'm like, this sounds like a great recipe to lose to a player three standard deviations worse than I. Right, like I don't get anything against players who are like better than me or as good as me, but I give up so much to somebody who's just like first turn pouncing jaguar. <laughs> I'm um, dead because Lady put like ancient tomb's braid in my <laughs> like I'm never gonna beat a jackal pup. I guess here comes wild dogs. Hold on, oh, hold he's on. gonna rancor up the wild. Oh my god, let's Can you imagine let's... you rancored up a wild dogs against the scenario that you just described, bro. Just I would quit your, playing your rancor your braids. I don't know. Uh, okay, so let me scroll back because the irony here is that you think that I play towards higher variants and Mano's anecdote, which I haven't listened to yet. I have my commute on uh, Tuesday. I'll listen but to did it you then. Two owed your with your red deck. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah, so the, you thought the red deck was overpowered relative to other options, and you just wanted to be conservative because you thought the red deck was real good. No, no. I think that's Man, fine. The reason this conversation started was Mano had his mono black deck. We are, once again, for the for the listeners, we're playing um, Duplicate Sealed with Landy Ho. Be sure to check out All Things Considered with your host, Brian Manalakis, and my second favorite, Lan H, Landy Ho, <laughs> uh, talking about uh, that and many more. Uh, so... Uh, we have 50 card decks, a 20 
uh, a 20, 20 lands and 50 cards is it's, uh, 40%. So it's the same as running 24 lands and 60, right? So uh, Mano wanted to go, I think, I, I don't know if the, the question was to play 19 or 20 lands versus playing 20 or 21 lands. And see, so he had this black, mono black deck. It has a lot of low end, but it has top end in the form of corrupt six mana and a uh, new bordered card, Gray Merchant of Asphodel, which is just corrupt on a, a guy. Um, on like a two four, because instead of having spells, they have <laughs> put all the power in permits. Exactly. And I, I was like, man, oh, you have these huge payoffs for hitting all your land drops. And then he also had a bunch of the black creatures with activated abilities. I was just like, don't you just like want to hit every single land drop? Uh, and man, I was like, no, I kind of want, I kind of want to draw more, more active cards. I'm down to miss my like fourth or fifth land drop, even though I've got these like heavy spells in my deck. And then he turns to me and he's like, are you just scared of mana screw? Like, do you just like fear? Like, I know you don't know how to play control, but do you just like, are you just, did he say that? I know. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It was like, (laughs) he's like, are you just averse to like not hitting your land drops? not knowing. How to play control with such an LOL. <laughs> and and um and I was just like, yeah, I mean, don't you like just hit your land drops and the and you'll figure out the rest. But you but guys said Etai, that's like so broken. Well, Etai's deck doesn't miss land drops either. And yeah, it's, but it's just broken having box. Etai on your squad. Yeah, well, Etai picked us, so what are you gonna say? Like if you were you got picked, you got seated, you got put into Pog's team. If you thought Mana was such a ringer, then you should have picked Mana over Dan OMS. Um, I didn't pick anything. I showed up an hour late, and I was told which team I was on after the packs had been tracked. Yeah, and then two hours later, you were down twenty bucks. It was That's sweet. All true. Thank God um, I didn't play you for fifty. I know. I know. I sat down. I was like, "Let's do 50. and you're like, "Let's do twenty. And I was like, "Let's do fifty. Come on, we're grown up, so we can do. 50. Yeah, but I was just like, "But I have Pog, and you have Eta." <laughs> Also, Pog was the only player on our team who got any yeah. wins. We should have done a parlay. We should have been like, okay, fine, we'll do twenty, but it's fifty if Pog. It's fifty if Pog loses and you still win. That's actually what we should have done. But then um, also, I mean, my team was like, was okay. Danny OMS Whatever. is a Grand Prix champion. So yeah, exactly. Danny, Danny <laughs> okay. rules, and he had played the cube before, and he knew that the mono black. He knew how to build the mono black deck. But anyways, so it's interesting to me because by your assessment. And you've you've said this to me multiple times. You're just like, oh, you like cards like Impulse, or you like cards like, you know, whatever. Like, you like all this stuff, um, uh, you know. And that's because you seem to assess that I like to play towards higher variance lines somehow, but I don't. Like, aren't you the higher variance player? Aren't you the Dude, blue red dreadnought any, pilot? Anybody who plays the deck Growatog likes variance. <laughs> just to. Just saying, okay? You like variants if you play Grow a Talk. I, I want to say this. What are you talking about? The deck has 12 cantrips and four gush. It's, a, it's it has the lowest 100 variant. colors, and <laughs> half the cards are straight up bad in half the matchups. So, uh, like, no, some of the cards are insane in some matchups, but they're just, like, straight up bad in half the matchups. Well, in game one, all the cards are exactly okay in exactly every matchup, and then you just sideboard into good cards. Because, like, okay, Fire so. Ice is... I mean, Fire Ice... I guess it's is like probably a, a good really example. Really bad of a impulse. <laughs> high variance uh, card, but um, but you know, counterspell is. Do you like to fire a ball lightning or do you like to ice a ball lightning? 
Oh, okay, you, you know the answer to that question. You know the answer. I'm I mean, icing. I fired. I have fired my fair share of ball lightnings. My also. very first pre-modern tournament, my opponent cast ball lightning, and I fired it like one-one with a, a yeah. lava mancer. And then I like looked at the card, and I was like, "Oh shit, I could have iced this." <laughs> I was I, like, I, I "I'm fired, icing. I'm icing I fired every ball single lightning one against now. against Roland recently in a in a meetup. Yeah, but I didn't win." Um, I, I mean, obviously, you'll, I'll fire if I can catch a lava man. I probably won't fire. I think I just put it to his face, actually. Oh, one right. one damage versus one card. Yeah. That's actually very low in philosophy of fire units. Uh, what if your deck can just deal twelve, yeah. and then you're gonna lace that together? With, I don't know. Uh, I know, would like to be one card closer with like uh, a grim lava mancer tap, and you know, a lightning bolt. I don't know. What I mean, I have. All right, I so have, okay, blue so, red delver is a higher variance deck than blue white delver. But I will just defend myself by saying, all summer, Pog has been borrowing my Landstill deck, and my Meddling Mages and Blue-White Dual Lands are all in that deck. Yeah. I don't think Blue-Red well, is better. Well, then you should play Swamps. You should play Swamps, then. <laughs> I think I'm, I want to play Lands deck. It seems awesome. I played one game, and it was like heaven. It's crazy, because you hated playing Land Tax. It's weird to me that you hated playing Land Tax, but you love no Taxless Tax. Dude, like, if you, why don't you try mulching into like Treetop Village Wasteland, Wasteland Gaia's Blessing? Why don't and you? Then why don't you tell just, me that who could beat you? Why don't you just right? try mulching into seven awesome cards? Like, <laughs> that's what I was doing before this, dude. I literally don't give me this like, watered down heroin, okay? I literally, I'm like, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a freaking grade A heroin addict, and you're offering me some weed. I'm, like, I get out of here. Was just like. Mulch into Treetop Village. It's like, I don't know, like Treetop Village, Mistress Factory, Wasteland, Gaia's Blessing. And then, like, Jordan looks at me and he's just like, uh, and I'm like, yeah, this does not seem real good for you. Like, oh, Wasteland, man. your Dust Bowl. Do, right? do we like, want to, do we want to talk about Sam Black's deck? I know we're like an hour 30 in, but this might be like a fun five minutes or 20 minutes. I haven't seen it. Is that the deck that Caffeinated played? Uh, no. So, <clears throat> Quick rundown on because um, caffeinated played a new others yeah, yeah, deck yeah. right uh, uh, so quick rundown on what tax players have been doing post tax ban me I've just stuck my head in my in the ground I'm just like I'm just continue to play tax I'm just yeah one I've continued <laughs> to play tax in the PSS two um, I have stuck with uh, the decks that I know are good I keep on wanting to go ancient tomb mox diamond Braids Cabal Minion or Smokestack or Exalted Angel or Blastoderm or Urnum Jin. I don't know. I, I'm I'm desperate. Uh, what? Flashback Blastoderm? <clears throat> Smokestack? Like, these are not playable cards. What if they come down on turn two every time? <laughs> oh my god. What if your opponent has an island in play? Just straight up, they just pass with an island and say go. Oh. And you do your thing and they're like, hmm, give me a second. I'm going to opt in response. Who do you think is winning this game, 18 Life? I don't know. I'll do <laughs> I'll do Lotus Petal to get around the days. Anyways. <laughs> oh my god. Now, I guess, I guess we have to add you, you don't even have any cards. I guess left. we have to add Dark Ritual, Mike. <laughs> you, you made me do it. You made me do oh, it. I wow. guess we're playing Dark Ritual in this You deck. are a heroin addict. That's, <laughs> um, heroin addict who doesn't understand control is the name of this podcast. Uh, no, I mean, I feel like we need to save Lanny still doesn't understand control for like at least two months from now because okay. um, it's too it's too early. To, anyway, to tell this story about Sam Blackstone. All right. So we got a uh, noted tax pilot. Rich Shea. Rich Shea has X1 um, the monthly the tournament um, thanks to a taxless tax deck. 
Uh, I'm going to run it down. You real share quick. the screen to me so I can just look at it while you read it. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Unless you have like really weird like porn or something up. Then that is typically don't. what I do uh, when we're when we're. Yeah, just don't just don't. No, I know. Just don't I can, tell we're on people. video. Just don't. Tell yeah, I'm just saying just it. like change that screen. Only share the screen with the deck list on it. Um. All right. So let's do window and this. OK, so uh, running it down for the listeners. Uh, this is like, I don't know, it's like 20 lands, uh, including a couple of Trevor's Ruins, which is pretty sweet. It's a Bant deck. We have four Mox Diamond, three Scroll Rack, uh, four Oath of Druids, uh, three Guys Blessing, two Portin, four Gush, three Enlightened Tutor, three uh, Foil, four Swords of Plowshares, two Armageddon. We have our normal uh, Oath targets, Chosen and Phoenix, and then Bullets in the form of Sylvan Library, Abundance, Zer's Weirding, Seal of Cleansing, Tormod's Crypt, and Zeran Orb. Uh, in the sideboard, we're looking at four Meddling Mage, one Arcane Lab, one Propaganda, one Seal of Cleansing, one Cataclysm, one Warmth. I, I want to play Burning Wish in this deck. One, I don't know what this card is. I think it's the one that destroys all lands if there's more than five in play, but that's probably not right. It's like an Urza Saga card with weird art. Yeah, I don't know. One Chill, two Annul, a Chroma Angel of Wrath, and Disenchant. So effectively, we have removed land tax from... Uh, the blue land tax deck. We have replaced it with uh, effectively nothing because that deck also had gush. Um, uh, a Sylvan Library Abundance doing its best. A, an extra foil. Yeah, an extra <laughs> foil. Sylvan Library Abundance doing its best um, card advantage impression. Only the, three scroll racks? The scroll rack trying to do some lifting with these gushes. Um, this, car, this deck has no way to go up on cards with the exception of Sylvan Library and gush. And abundant. I, I actually, you know what I would do? I think this deck's pretty good. I think I would just play Portent in place of Lightning Tutor. Uh, I, I, I agree with that. Um, I think it's uh, better. Quick Even up. though the, there's some bullets, but like, well, this conceivably this deck is trying to sometimes have Sylvan Library and Abundance in play, which allows you to draw three non-land or land or mix of both uh, cards every turn, uh, which does its best six mana tax rack impression. But I agree that um, Enlightened Tutor looks very bad in this deck that has only one way to go up on cards, and uh, with Enlightened Tutor, seven and ways like, to go down with Mox Diamond, um, and a few unplayable bullets and some matchups. Um, it's it's a weird spot, but anyways, cool deck. Rich it, Rich went five and one. Uh, we have yet to see this pan out. I'm extremely skeptical on the fundamentals, but you know, Rich Shea, Ham Sandwich, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, Moving on to what Sam Black has been occupying his time with. We are talking about Terra Terra Counter Spell of Mulch. Uh, we have three Battlefield Scrounger, four Terravor, two Deep Analysis, four Mulch, four Counterspell, four Factor Fictions, four Swords of Plashers, four Mox Diamond, one Oath of Druids, we have a 30-pack of lands, including the full eight cycling lands and four wastelands. Um, this deck uh, has essentially said close to the same thing, which is I still want to play Counterspell. I still want to play Swords of So Pondshares. there's no Gaia's Blessing. There's no Gaia's Blessing, but we have better. Battlefield Scrounger. 3GG. That's yeah, five so this is mana the, for a 3-3. Three, three. This is the Turbo Land Endgame. Threshold. Put three cards from your graveyard. How would you ever get thresholds, Lanny? On the, on the bottom of your <laughs> library, Battlefield Scrounder gets plus three, plus three until end of turn. Activate only if but, you have... So this deck has uh, Only no once each turn and only... No Enlightened Tutor, one Oath of Druids? Uh, yeah, sometimes you How draw... How does it set up? Uh, it, it, it simply casts Mulch 
four mulch and four factor fiction to gas up your battlefield scrounger uh, to loop your counter spells and source of plowshares, which we know Sam has always been interested in. Uh, we've got uh, cycling lands to help uh, accelerate these mulches, uh, beef up this Terravore. In the sideboard, we have three more Oath of Druids. We, of course, have four Meddling Mage, four Anul, uh, and then uh, two Blasts, uh, Blue Blasts, one Last Breath, and one Ray of Revelation, uh, which I'm surprised Ray of Revelation is not making at least some appearance in the main deck, but I guess uh, this deck is attempting not to fear Survival of Fittus. Oh, I uh, love the Riftstone Portal in this deck. That's hot. Yep, single singular Riftstone Portable Portal, which you can mox diamond or fact into your graveyard. Um, yeah, sweet deck. Uh, this was an in-house tournament with ten players at Sam Black's uh, place. Uh, he Sam placed won. nope. He placed somewhere in the middle of the pack. He got like exactly fourth place or exactly fifth place. Okay, uh, which is so. This is not. This is not uh, the dark depths. Uh, Dark Depths Jace uh, sword, sword combo <laughs> level of mashup as Sam's last Misty win. Yeah, yeah, not quite, but um, yeah, cool, cool ways to replace um, land tax, uh, and in this case, guys, blessing. I have been. Ooh, I have I'm going to name my deck this Tuesday land tax. What do you yeah, think? Yeah, I mean that's it's just sitting right there. I mean it should have been land still. It was already land still, but now it's land tax. It's just perfect, uh, and this is just lands, right? We can just call this deck lands. Um, 30 lands. Except for it wasn't made by a land, so we shouldn't call it that. Uh, I've been racking my brain trying to... Uh, I have a few observations, I think. Uh, one, this this deck plays Deep Analysis, which, uh, as uh, you should know by now, is absolutely one of the cards I'm addicted to casting. It's my heroine. It lost me a match. Um, or it failed to win me a match, depending on who you ask. Uh, Reference the earlier. Oh, I forgot. Wait, we have to go back to the thing you were asking about an hour ago. So, <laughs> you know that whole thing about like you gotta you're blue on blue and you gotta make it so that they discard a counter spell and then you can win. Yeah, thawing glaciers breaks that paradigm. That's why it's good. <laughs> so, like if they always have thawing glaciers and they can just keep playing land, they just they don't they don't ever get into the position where because um, the problem the. Typically, the problem is you, you stop hitting land drops, right? Yeah. But if you're always hitting land drops, then um, it's very hard to overcome their, their counterspell war. Yeah. Wall. Unfortunately, so, Thawing Glaciers is a very difficult card to play in a deck. I, I, I do um, have at least a middle ground belief where it must have a home somewhere, but so far, haven't found it. Uh, um, what, if, what if the best deck was Red-White Rift? <laughs> uh... That's, that's going to be up to you, Mike, because nobody's carrying the torch on that one. I think there are some weaknesses in that deck that are difficult to overcome, but I'm excited to see you try to vindicate it on Tuesday when you don't pick up land tax, you don't pick up swamp, and instead you play red-white rift 2.0, tax is dead, long live uh, deck that still loses to Armageddon and Tide. <laughs> interesting decision i would be making in that universe yeah very interesting um, what, if, what if i just showed up at the 1.5k and i'd be like Rifter. my brain broke yeah <laughs> first turn <laughs> like forgotten game go yep. i mean i was gonna give you planes enlightened tutor rop red gg but now we're just we're just we're just playing one of our cyclers on turn one. i mean that that is one to let's happen let's go um, so these decks are sweet. I do think that there's got to be like this. I, I mean, people, it's weird to me because mulch was never really there. It was barely there in the green white deck. 
Um, Jeff stopped playing. Yeah, Jeff cut it from from uh, the green white deck. Um, this new parfait, people are calling it imparfait. Um, like imparfait. I, yeah, because parfait means perfect, so this is imperfect. Oh, I thought it was because of impulse. Oh well, it could play. But impulse. there's no impulse. <laughs> it could so I was just impulse. like, why would you call it that? It uh, doesn't make any sense. The fact that you you can't really so I think fundamentally. Enlightened Tutor glued together the Parfait deck because you could always Enlightened Tutor for card advantage. Yeah, but you could Enlightened Tutor for land success and have land Exactly. Uh, it's like, now, this is like weak-ass scroll racks, brother. Now you're trying to, like, tutor for a combination of Sylvan Abundance or Sylvan Tower. All of a sudden, these Disenchants start hurting you way, way more because you can't cash in under their Disenchants most of the time. Uh there, yeah, there's there's just a lot that I don't love about this. I love uh, Sam Black doing some self mill. I don't know if this new this he should have taken a controlling seems bad against red to me. Yeah, I believe you. Um, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that uh, wait, where where is the rich deck? Here, sorry. Oh, there it is. Oh, I just it's gone. Anyways. Uh yeah um, I, I I mean it seems bad against red but you know sometimes you dodge red you're just gonna you're just gonna tutor up your warmth or your chill. Chill baby. Is that an ivory tower? That's that. Yeah there's card? yeah the there's an ivory tower in here so tutor up. But that's like a tower. weird edition of ivory tower. Yeah that's the new old border uh, schematic edition that was printed in Brothers War. Um, oh I probably threw all mine away. Uh, oh man, I, I want those. Uh, they're, they're kind of yeah, I don't know like sweet because they're old border. You should have just kept every old border card. Anyways, oh I mean, maybe I didn't then. You, the knows? thing is, you can tutor for you can tutor for Ivory Tower, but then you'll start the next turn with with like four five cards, cards in hand. Yeah, okay. And if you don't have Gush, you're not in great shape. But even if it, so, imagine you're just you're sitting on an Ivory Tower. I'm like, all right, I'm just gonna Gush now. Like, yeah. Now you don't have any lands. Yeah. Like, and then terrible. now you're gonna foil a burn spell at some point and then go back down to four cards yes this doesn't seem like a great it was so much better when you could just draw four cards a turn yeah this is um i don't know like honestly we're gonna like, have this to is hear even a good zero orb deck yeah we're gonna have to hear it straight from rich and aaron on how this went because aaron i just played this deck too right yeah aaron played this deck too i don't think he made the cut um but yeah i mean Let's let's go ahead and spend the, the final 15 minutes uh, up until the two hour mark. What do we think? Like initially we were saying Rifter was going to be the new land tax. I was saying I've been I never saying said this. that, dude. It can't beat Armageddon. Yeah, it still can't. Okay, so Jeff Ferris beat this out of my head a year ago. So so here's where I stand. And I said it first. Fun police lost a member. They're not promoting any new hires. I think this is the same case. Like all the good decks, they're still good. All the bad decks, hate to break it to you, they're still bad. I don't know about this mulch business. Maybe land tax, taxless land tax. It's um, amazing that is, there are new get decks being built, though. I mean, that's that's like uh, this has happened before, right? Where a card gets banned, people are like, "It's time to brew," and then all their brews fail to usurp. The void that was left behind, and instead, I, new I set printings are the a really good deck. I don't know if it's the best deck, but I, it might be the second best deck in the format. Yeah, so it's hard like, to keep talking about it though when we can't actually say what the like, cards. Literally, are <laughs> he had an answer that beat life, my I <laughs> life beat, combo. I beat every non-blue deck like a hundred percent of the time, 
And he's just like, what if I had the exact same combo as you, but I had four copies and three copies? So you're two copies and two copies. And I'd be like, uh, and he's like, and I also have Armageddon and Cataclysm in my deck. And I'd be like, I guess you would be at a dramatic advantage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because you literally have the same combo that I figured out, but more copies of that. I mean, we're waiting, like, we're waiting in bated breath for September 17th when we can finally reveal what cards are in the deck. I mean, I'm going to play it on Tuesday. Uh, and oh, Land doesn't listen to our podcast, does he? He might on the sly. I don't know. He might Who just knows, be like, man? like he, he talks big game, but he might secretly be like, man, I love those guys. I love listening to them talk for two hours. He's he's one of my best friends. I just don't think he listens to the podcast. Yeah, he's one of your best friends, but he bullies you, so it's kind of like, you know. He doesn't bully me, does he? He kind of bullies you. I mean, I probably deserved it. You do See, that's, deserve that's it. That's the internalized bullying right there. Exactly. Right? When you're, you get beat down <laughs> long enough, you just be like, I deserved it. Patrick is like, yeah, I am a dumbass. Mike can keep calling me. You don't You don't call Patrick a dumbass. You just like yell at him. You just like just start yelling at him. Okay, like, so just <laughs> I actually want to air this. Patrick and I were talking about it. And like, so it's the finals of the RCQ, right? We're sitting, I've been sitting here for like three hours waiting, waiting for him. Writing. Just to go to dinner, right? And he he talks such a big game. He's like, I'll, I'll pick up dinner. He said he was going to pick up dinner. He owed me dinner from before. And he just, he he's about to win $600, which is bullshit. Okay. He gets there. And so Patrick's going to go to Ireland today. Right. So he's flying to Ireland tonight. Right. So he can't play in the RC anyway. Yep. All right. So, but he's, he's first seed in the top eight. And he's playing against Gruel Beatdown in the finals. Right. So he and I have been playing this matchup. I think Boros is better than Gruel. Pat, and so I won every game on the play, and Patrick won. I will go with Patrick won all the games on the play. He's going to be on the play. And against Gruel, which is a shittier deck than Boros on beatdown. Okay? Boros deck doesn't have Monastery Swift Spear, doesn't have Prowess Triggers, etc. Patrick's on the play. So this guy's just like, okay, uh, I want the slot. So Patrick's like, all right, give me the money. He's just like, Oh, let me have a hundred bucks, right? Don't give him the hundred. Just be yeah, like, people you are want like the bullying slot. him, and 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 he's just, oh, come on, give him the hundred. And I'm just like, stop and fucking think for a second, right? And he's just like pushes me off, and he's just like, don't peer pressure me, Mike. And then he so he gives the guy a hundred bucks. So I'm like, at dinner. I'm like, why did you give him a hundred bucks? Yeah, you're like, that's my hundred. You're buying me dinner right like, now. And, and, and he, I'm like, <laughs> that hundred could have been my dinner, right? Like so, so he's like, why did you give him the hundred bucks? He's just like. Because you were just going to peer pressure me. I was going to peer pressure you into taking an extra hundred bucks. That guy wanted the slot. And his best scenario is playing you. Yeah. You are on the play. The second he gets his first dude fiery impulse, and then he gets his, like, whatever spell, spell pierce, he is going to scoop real fast and beg you for the slot. Yep. Right? Like, that's what's going to happen on turn three of this game. Right? And he's just, he's just like, thinking, and he's just like, why did I give him the hundred bucks? Like, there's you had literally a hundred percent leverage, and we're talking right? like, like, like to to the so uh, for the record, if I was in Patrick's position, I would have given well one, I would have taken the slot or played for the slot. But yeah, if but I was only in get Patrick's, four, if, so the thing is, he can't use the slot, and if I, he wins, he only gets four hundred. Exactly, I understand. So if I was in Patrick's position, and uh, you know, uh, it was me and my wife's anniversary on the date of the RC, so I couldn't go to the RC, um, I would give the hundred dollars because. Well, one, I wouldn't be playing the tournament because why? <laughs> but let's say it was a pre-modern tournament for an invite to the RC. Well, he that loves I Pioneer. I That's the thing. He plays Pioneer every week at LGS. I'm just trying to put, put myself in Patrick's shoes. Yeah. Anyways, I would just, 
I would just give the hundred bucks. Who cares? It's a hundred bucks. I just like literally don't yeah, care. Yeah, but Patrick but is a Patrick, poor student. Exactly. Patrick is like, is, is, is he 20? 19? He's 20? He's 19 years old. He's 19 Hasn't years lost old. a match on the day. A hundred dollars is like, like you have to, like a hundred dollars is a lot of cash for a 19 year old. It's, I mean, it can be a lot of cash for, for, you know, a 40 year old. I, I, I'm not sneezing on a hundred Yeah, you're bucks. not, you're not. I mean, like that's half a night out. Yeah, well, deserved bullying. He he did so he did correctly I, identify I, that he deserved to be bullied in that moment. No, I was just like he's just like you were just gonna peer pressure me. I'm like that's gonna peer pressure you into taking a hundred dollars. This is like, a cliff you, you want to jump this. off, bro. <laughs> right? Like like you didn't think about and because like, he and then the other thing was then he felt really bad about it afterwards, right? And I think this is a good reason to feel bad about it. And so like he said, you know what the worst thing is? Now those like, they. Like, People aren't going to like widely respect me. If I had won an RCQ, it means I'm as good as like so, 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 and so, and so, and so. Yeah, he's, a, he's as I'm good like, as Roman. <laughs> I'm like, you are etched in iron right now. Acid dripped in iron, second place. He's like, but I took all the money. I'm like, you didn't take all the money. You took, you took, you took 80% of the money. Of the okay. Money. Like, this was a $1,000 tournament. You could have taken $700, right? Like, um, I mean, how, what is this prize distribution? It's like fifteen bucks for top eight or something, like fifty bucks or something. It's like the, but it was like a huge amount of leverage. Well, it's because finals. it's because the the attempt is to make it so that your your cash money from the finals also is enough to cover a plane ticket. I think it, it's it never weird. is. I I I mean, I I sh I told myself after like two thousand eleven, I'd stop I'd stop prize splitting away like for slots or whatever. So I, I always, it's never enough, right? So I just like give all the money away usually because I care about the slot more. The problem is like every time I do is play like one game for packs or fun, I always win. I'm just like, what yeah, the and then you're like, doing? yeah, whatever. Like when I, when I won the, the one that we met at, like I offered my, I'm on the play, I offered my opponent full prize for the slot. I beat him in game one in like 30 seconds. And, then and I had a like, sweet sideboard for yeah. this matchup that I had stayed up all night for yeah. And then he was like, offer still stand. And I'm like, yeah, take it. Yep. I mean, like, that's insane, right? Yeah. Like, I'm up a game, the and I to have Phoenix, the sweet sideboard. Flight to Phoenix uh, from, from New York City is like 500 bucks. So, so Atlanta's and, a bit cheaper, though. Yeah, and I'm just saying, like, why would I possibly do... I was literally up a game and had the perfect side. Yeah, because you fear, you fear the worst, you know, coming to board. One in the hand is better than two in the bush. But I mean, would you say that Spike Colony is a one in the hand podcast or a two in the bush podcast? Two in the bush. Two in the bush, yeah. We're, no splits blood neck dripping etc that's what we're about here um that's what i'm going to be about in the pss i don't want to jinx it by talking about it too much but i can't not talk about the possibility of tom metelski thomas corrado metelski and and i lanny huang meeting in person to play out the finals of the we should PSS. just play it at bifrost with live coverage by michael J. here's the thing here's the thing Hoip is like all talking about like, oh, all of my favorite matches I've ever watched were <laughs> commentated by Michael J. Michael. Like somebody's saying it on there. I'm like, I'm like, okay, this is like seven weeks ago. I'm like, all right, Hoip. Granted, you like screwed me out of my redemption arc, which we had <laughs> talked about. I'm gonna have a redemption arc this year. For whatever reason, you decided to screw me out of it. Didn't even give me the alternate. Just gave the slots to all of my friends. Then one of them couldn't take it. You just gave it to one of my other friends. Fine. Can I at least do commentary? I love the PSR. <laughs> He's just like, we've got commentary covered, Mike. 
<laughs> Have you? What is this? What did I do? Something? Did I step on his toe when I wasn't <laughs> when I wasn't paying attention? Yeah, maybe, maybe. We, we got we'll, commentary we'll covered. I mean, I was like sitting there, just like, oh, like last, like on Thursday, I was like, oh, Lanny was supposed to do commentary of this match, but he he went to bed or whatever. So I'm just gonna bring back Will, and I'm like, I'm watching this live, <laughs> and I'm like, call me up, coach, <laughs> call me. I would have loved to do commentary on Corrado. I mean, oh, I got, I I agree. Can you imagine the drama I would have put in? I'm like, oh my god. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, because you were so invested in freaking both me and Tom. Gush? Is he gonna gush this turn? <gasps> oh my god, he's gonna pass with an eye I guess we're gonna have to recomment this match. Um it but uh Unreal. Look, I don't know. Is, like, Man, send send like... a follow up send up follow up message to Mike. The top four is live. Our, we're in chaotic scheduling time because uh uh Hoyp has a lot going on. Maybe I, look, you can I don't sneak wanna... in. I don't want to beat on anybody. I love a lot of the people who were involved, but sometimes people's commentary is, I've never played this matchup. Well, <laughs> that's not great. That's not a great choice then to have that person commentating that matchup. Right? Uh, like, I mean, like, listen. I've never played this matchup. I think I don't know what the cards in either deck do. I think um, <laughs> I think me my match against Rich was a real uh, test of endurance, and uh, that ultimately <laughs> resulted in a ranking of the Patri Life flashback cards. <laughs> um, so, but that was a good bit. I actually really liked that bit because the callbacks were pretty sweet. Because they're like, "Do you think Lanny and Rich are talking right now? What do you think they're talking yeah, but, about? They're but ranking that, that that commentary includes like includes like." Mitelski looking down at his phone and being like, oh, according to Flores, Acorn Harvest was played on the Pro Tour by John <laughs> That doesn't have anything to do with the match in hand! Well, you shouldn't have texted it to him then. <laughs> yeah, well, I was trying to keep the flow going. There were a uh, lot of great anecdotes that were shared by Tom Mitelski while you and Rich did nothing. Yeah. Like, literally, like I'm watching, like I see hands, I see like human hands, I see cards. <laughs> Presumably, there's a conversation going Cards on. Cards aren't going anywhere because nothing is moving. These hands are still. Did the cameras break? Eviden evidently, Rich. Break? Evidently, Rich was using that time to count how many cards were in my library. Uh, yeah, and it's actually, it's it's oh. amazing because I was watching it back. And I was like, oh man, like I exile my deep analysis uh, to the right of my library, but um, the way I have my camera set up, I didn't realize that my deep analysis isn't on on screen so he also had a count including counting uh remembering that i have one deep analysis it's in exile without so asking tough. it's so tough on camera because you can't like you have to like ask somebody and that's a tell yeah. right it's like literally a tell okay i'm gonna end on this because of because of what you just brought up i'm gonna ask you a question and i'll tell you my answer when was the time that you realized that there was people who were just like because Hoip and those guys were talking about this. She's like, I used to think that the only reason these guys won more than me is because they had access to all the cards. And I quickly, I quickly understood different. What was the time that you understood that, oh shit, these guys are way better? Oh boy. Um, I would say that I, I have always known that there was something that separated um, a player that I respect, uh, like Sam Black, like Rich Shea, like Gabriel Nassif. Um, I always knew that there was something that separated them from me, and I did think that 
with some amount of hard work and dedication that I would reach that point. And I do think that obviously with with an unlimited amount of hard work and dedication, I could get to that point. But I would say that in the past year, I've started paying attention to how people play and thinking really hard about why they're doing what they're doing and what I would have done. And I, I think in this past year, in attempting to improve my play and watching myself make mistakes that really eat me alive is like when I've kind of had the blended realization that I, I, I currently do not possess professional level a bit like pro tour level ability at magic. And, and that isn't a singular moment. I mean, I do think that like, obviously my head exploded when rich, uh, you know, vision charmed, um, Jared, uh, like that would be an easy one to point to of just being like, oh, I would have never done that. I literally would have never done that. But that kind of thing has happened to me probably like a dozen times in the past like 12 months. So, um, you know, that's my answer. Okay. So I have a very concrete time and it was like, uh, it was your first game against John Finkel. Was it? Oh, no. I mean, I always <laughs> thought him, oh, I could be as good. I mean, I'd been playing with him since like 1996. Yeah, yeah, I'm like, I, I, know, I'm joking. I mean, I knew he's better than me, but I was just like, oh, I could I could do a lot of things. I'll catch up. I'll catch up. So just give me some time. It's Guillaume Wafotapa playing a control mirror in a Grand Prix. I, I just and I didn't even see this match. Chapin just told me what happened. And I was just like, if you can't make the play that Wafotapa just did, you're not good. Like, that's the bar. If you made this play, you're good. If you can't make this play, if you can't even identify this play, you don't get to be in the conversation, right? And I was just like, I don't get to be in the conversation. Wafotapa wins a match, right, in the control mirror, and everyone is flabbergasted that he could win this match. Like, he just, he, he was one of those games where he just played in complete control of the entire game, but, like, everybody was on-looking, thought that it could have gone either way, his opponent's like playing really well. And so like they did an interview afterwards and, and they're like, they're like, oh, Guillaume, you were so composed, etc. Um, how how do you, you know, you know, this was an important match, you made top eight or whatever. And he's just like, what are you talking about? He's just like, and 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 um and they're like, well, this is really tight. Oh, this just wasn't tight. I obviously I was gonna win the game. Like, why? <laughs> Just because I broke in ambitions to him on turn two, so I knew what the contents of the bottom of our libraries were. There was no top deck. It was like, we were going to go to libraries. I knew who had how many cards, and I knew what we were. It's not, I didn't know what we could draw. I knew what we were going to draw, right? Because he won the clash out of broken ambitions on turn two. It's just, and there, people are like, you remembered that? He's just like, you didn't? Like, so here's the thing. This is why it's the bar on if you're good or not. Everyone had perfect information on this. Only Wafo Tapa yeah. acted on it, yeah. right? Like, so if you can't win the games that you have perfect information, you're not good. I mean, I think that's the bar. I mean, I, I agree. I mean, awesome story. I think. No, once they, I tell you that story, you're like, oh shit. Yeah, no, like, I mean, it's obvious. Well, and Osip and Osip did the same thing. Uh, when he made the mistake of bottoming a lotus petal instead of bottoming a blasted landscape, he like literally was like, "Oh shoot, the lotus petal!" I bought. Now I'm gonna win one turn right. later. Yeah, now. Right. Um, I, I so my match against Rich, the the thing that happened, the reason why the first thing that I said was like, "This is what it feels like." This is what it feels like to play against Rich Shea, is because I am familiar. I'm 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 on, I'm a pretty good player 
and I'm I'm pretty familiar with what it feels like to know what's going on in the game and just like execute on like my deck plan, my strategy, like whatever. Like I know what it feels like, even though I don't understand control, I know what it feels like to be in control. I know what it feels like to put myself in a winning position and like have my bases covered. And I'm pretty good. I'm pretty agile. I think that I do have my moments. I mean, I think that I demonstrated that at LobsterCon, which is just that like I I was very comfortable in understanding like needing to to know like how to win and, and what I needed to do. And then in games where I lose, I actually I actually know the same thing. Like I, I I like to think that I lose most of the games I lose, I lose to some form of variance. I have at least put myself in the best position to win. I don't know. Playing, I mean, everybody who's not quite good thinks that. I agree. I agree. And I think that you you do reach a point a point where that's true a good amount of the time. Like you lose a lot of games not that like not straight up like you lose like a lot of games that you couldn't win and I mean, we should probably spend nice another story that i was talking about like john finkel would have won the third game well right it, it would have been hard no no i, I didn't win that no game. i could i completely agree with that i com- don't get me wrong like i'm not saying that i don't give up percentage i'm just saying that like when i lose when i lose games like a lot of a lot of like let's i'm not saying i lose games to variance i'm saying i lose games because um in my evaluated range, like I, I, uh, I don't even think I misevaluated the evaluated my opponent's range. I just simply like executed on, uh, like you know, I took a coin flip play and I lost, or I took a minority play and I lost. I took a debatable, you know, I could defend how I played that game, right? So playing against Rich, I could not, I can't defend how I I played that match, and that. And that doesn't happen to me that often because oftentimes I can either make mistakes and win uh, or uh, I can lose in ways that like me, even if I corrected my mistakes, um, I would have still lost. We say that often, right? We're just like, oh, still would have lost, like did the wrong play, still would have lost. And I think just a, a very small minority of games, you lose having recognized that, you know, you did the wrong thing and not just like a punt, not just like, Oh, I tapped my dual land. Like uh, you, you wrote an article about like the three kinds of mistakes. It's, it's one of my favorites. Um, and you know, basically, this isn't like category one or two mistakes where you just like fail to notice something. You fail. I mean, I, I will say this in the waffle Tapa story. That's like a that's like a low category mistake, right? Not tracking the bottom card of your opponent's deck is like. But he know. also knows the bottom card of his deck. That's yeah, the yeah. thing. Well, not not tracking this information is a mistake. You know that that effectively can be corrected just by paying attention or taking notes or that kind of thing. I'm talking about like mistakes that like, you know, you fundamentally didn't get a a correct read on your opponent. You didn't take advantage of information that was like, you know, high level mistakes. Like, you know, not like, oh, I I played a land first or I sequenced my spells wrong. Like just like a high level, like I, my opponent had the script. You just, we just did an ancestral recall talking about visualization. Either you fail to visualize, your opponent visualized better than you. And and this is Rich's uh, skill. When we discussed the match afterwards, you were like, I think that Rich has an unwavering execution. He is he is extremely good at Is Rich's educational background? It's like computer science and mathematics. Yeah, right? he's like a ma- yeah, he's like a math mathematician. Yeah, so yeah. I, I I'm I'm just gonna cut through what you're your what you're saying makes sense, but I just want to cut through a really easy example. Um my friend Steve Saden, my old uh, teammate Steve Saden, who's a Grand Prix champion with Flash Hulk, right? 
once didn't make the top eight of a tournament. I was watching him play, and um, he has a uh, he has a he has a. I just want to stop you one second. This is this is the Steve Satan. Is he the one who in the Flash Hulk Grand Prix he? was asked to execute the combo and by Owen Turtwald and then didn't know, understand how to do it. To and then, yeah. But them. then he plays against Owen again in the finals and, and then, then he, he, knows. he knew how to do it at that yeah. point. Yeah. Yeah. So that is stupid. So, uh, yeah, he's like six and seven and oh or something at this point where Owen finally, so it's the first person to ask him to execute his combo. He doesn't know how. It's hilarious. That deck was brewed at my house. Well, I was babysitting Bella when she was an actual baby. Um, babysitting, she's my kid, right? You're like, I was on the nanny shift for my yeah, daughter. You know, so, uh, wait, why, uh, by, uh, by Billy Moreno. Uh, so anyway, uh, he has this wooded foothills in play, right? And he top decks, top decks, loses the game, never breaks the wooded foothills, right? So I ask him, I was like, you know, you, top, you just never do any action, right? You died by flood. Right? Why didn't she break the wooded foothills? That doesn't make any sense. Like you just sat there and didn't draw anything. And he's just like, well, because breaking the wooded foothills is wrong. And I was just like, no, breaking the wooded foothills reduces the amount of lands in your deck. So you you just needed to draw some action to finish the game, right? You just drew lands. That's why he lost. He's like, no, because I magma jetted two lands to the bottom of my library. Yeah, right. Breaking well, the wooded foothills. Story. That's another yeah, tracking like, story. No, but I'm just saying, like, but it's like a, it's the reason that I bring it up, which is all it is a tracking story, right? Yeah. The reason I bring it up is Fran says to me, he says, like, when people ask me for advice, because Fran is like a content creator and he's like a prominent player of Amulet Titan, and you know, now he's you know, the champion of champions and pre-modest people asking for advice on how to be better at magic. And Fran says, Fran says, the problem that people have and the reason they're not getting any better. Because people are begging for heuristics. People are begging for, tell me what to do in all Ooh, the general cases. Perfect tactical answer. Right? So like, it's like for all the general cases, the general case is break wooded foothills if you're mana flooded, right? But if you do that, in the case that Steve was in, you literally add two lands to your deck. You are adding two lands. You're not subtracting a land. And so the, the, the thing is like, okay, I'm going to give you this general rule. What's going to end up happening and why people don't get any better is because they constantly apply the general rule in cases where the general rule is wrong. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I think this is an interesting distinction to make because, again, all I've been talking about is tactics and strategy. And I've been talking about how Rich is a strategist. That doesn't mean that Rich operates under heuristics because... Clearly. No, no, I'm saying Rich would not have made this mistake exactly. because he has no, a no. mathematical background. Well, yeah, yeah, that's also because... That's my, that was actually where I was going. But I, I, I want to um, make an important distinction because I think when we've been talking about strategy, it, it implies that strategy gives you a heuristic for the match, right? It, like you can consult your strategy in the middle of the match and just be like, should I counter this? Should I play this card? And that's not necessarily true. Like your strategy does have to evolve. You have to be able to pivot. And the reason why I thought that like uh, the vision charm play from rich to to mill jared was so interesting is because that just because you rolled up to the match and identified that you only had to counter opalescence and replenish in game one doesn't mean that you always vision charm mill like you still have to make a choice in in that in that moment like whether or not you're going to do that um and it it's like you, i totally agree with fran there's just like there's no there's no like secret right you just have to you just have to get better you have to make less mistakes you have to understand 
when you're so making mistakes and how I, to correct I, them. Yeah, so the things that you're saying are the things that people ask me about all the time. And <laughs> so, you know, I say similar things to that. And the problem that people have is, A, they don't, under, they don't understand when they're making a mistake, in part because they don't understand what a mistake is. Right. Right? And then separately, I think people are very bad at looking in the mirror. And they're like, they're like either they say, that was a judgment call, or... Uh, or it doesn't matter that much, yeah. right? So, like, just just as an example, and and I said those two things earlier. I was it, trying to like create a, 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 to to walk back what I was saying it was like obviously I lose games making mistakes. I'm just trying to say that like I don't play very many games where uh, my opponent has had such an extraordinary like you know extraordinarily like more like uh, much better command of the game when i played against rich he had much m much more command over the game than i've than i've ever had i've been in rich's shoes when i've played against uh, weaker players and i've i have uh i have attempted to i've always battled for command of the game but rich had complete command so of the game i'll just give you a really easy example okay this is incontrovertible right so watch an elves player recently who has a well-wisher in play right so well wisher in play, a Gaius Cradle in play, a deranged hermit, a symbiote, and a Kyrian Ranger, right? And he makes a pretty good play, which is to return the deranged hermit on his own turn. He's not gonna pay the echo, right? Right? He returns the deranged hermit on his own turn to untap the well wisher. That play is terrible, right? And the reason the play is terrible is because he should have untapped the the well wisher with the Kyrian Ranger. Uh, and then, then use the well wisher. Then untap the Kyrian range, uh, the well wisher again with the Kyrian ranger. Yeah, for one additional the point. Ranger, yeah. and would still have had the return the, yep. the uh, the deranged hermit play, uh, the next before having to pay echo. He just gave his opponent six extra life. I right? uh, like, I, he I missed two I, triggers, uh, not one. I. I I w uh, came to Mike one time. I was like, dude, the elves deck is so sick. I was like, check check this out. You pick up a forest, untap your thing. Yeah. Then you pick up the Kyrian Ranger, untap your thing again. And then you replay the Kyrian Ranger, pick up a forest, untap your thing. That's three untaps with the two cards. This is amazing. And Mike is just like, yeah, duh. <laughs> like, it's just like, that's like, yeah. that's like fundamental... Yeah, but like, do you see the situation? He has a guy as cradle in play, right? He's just like, oh, I'm going to pick up the, I'm not going to pay the echo, right? I'm going to pick up the deranged hermit, yep. right? Yep. Like, you should pick up the deranged hermit. Not yet. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, you get two well wisher untaps if you do this right, not one. Then you get another one next turn because you have the Kyrian Ranger, right? Like, that's the, like, it's things like that where people are like, oh, that doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, Okay, what if we weren't talking about a, a well-wisher? What if we were talking about a, a priest of Titania? Titania? Yeah. Does it matter now? Right? Like, yeah. like well, we're, well, I mean, I, if you didn't see it on the well-wisher, what makes you think you would have seen it on the priest of Titania? That's how come Olorade can do 3,000 damage on the third turn, and you could do 20 damage on the fourth turn. Yeah. You're like, I mean, oh, I did 20 damage on the fourth turn. I'm really fast. I'm like, interesting. You missed by 2,900 <laughs> damage and a full turn. Um, I guess I'll have to add that. I mean, I, I'm fascinated by this topic, and it, you know, I, I kind of 
you know, I guess we'll just have to talk more at a future date, like the understanding mistakes and how to correct them. Because it's, it's tough. Like this is what you're describing is like, you know, just a, a different category, right? It's an optimization mistake. Um, and those are also really difficult really to manage. They just didn't see it. Yeah. That's the thing, right? So like when I play elves, for example, I flip over my untapped guys so I remember which ones I used. Right. Right. That, I mean, that's, that's a common I thing. I want to use all of them. Um, so, but so, Mike, do you feel like, okay, so let's put it this way. The, the reason why I thought my match against Rich was interesting is, is because I don't think I punted versus Rich with the exception of casting the deep analysis. Like, obviously, so, that's like a combination. Punted, of, I ma- punted means I made a mistake so bad I lose the game. Effectively, punting is, no, punting, I would say, is just making, like, making what I would say is like a tracking mistake but, or but, a like a tech optimization so, but, mistake. So, I mean, respectfully, Lanny, you made so many mistakes. <laughs> it's it's like it's it's really hard it's like to say, like, which mistake matter? Like, <laughs> like you didn't figure out the matchup to begin with. You should have been more aggressive. Like, OK, if I say that the right play to pl- way to play is X, right? First of all, I think you intuition for the wrong cards to begin with. Second of all, I think that you didn't use your deep analysis to the furthest extent. Which one of those is the punt, right? Because you already made two mistakes well, no, that aren't I mean, on your list. But that's the thing is like, uh, I was like living in a world where that if I dealt, uh, you know, so th- this is like, I, I want to speak in defense of not deep analysising aggressively. Like the, you can deep analysis aggressively against mono blue dreadnought. You can't against blue white dreadnought because producing that mana advantage like your plan producing that mana advantage is good but i still need to he didn't listen. even have a meddling mage in plan until like turn seven right but i didn't know that when i cast intuition on turn two because i'm but pot you didn't committed. have a land i'm pot committed i'm pot committed on that on that line uh on, on the line if i put three three deep analysis in my graveyard i'm pot committed to casting those deep analysis to find my land drops all right and so i don't know i don't know if rich has meddling mage how many lands are you 26 24 you have 24 lands so it says tur- so you were on turn two so that's eight seven six five eight nine ten eleven you would have been like 24 over 49 or something like you're 75 percent likely or something to draw land in the next three cards if you if you make the other if you make the opposite play that's not what i'm arguing I'm no, ar- I'm saying like this yeah. is a, this is a math this is a math. Problem. Yeah, I'm not arguing against that. I'm I'm arguing that because I don't know if Rich if I set myself up for a deep analysis and Rich plays turn two meddling mage, then I'll just lose the game. I won't have time. Even if I amass a mana advantage, I still have to amass twice as much mana as Rich. Right? At some point in the game, I need to get to up to six mana, and if I deal uh you know whatever twelve damage to myself. I'm not going to get to six mana because so, at some point my ancient tomb's going to turn off. Like I don't so think I, that that's. A I will tell. I'll tell you something. Here's here's something I'm bad at. Okay, all of you, all of you, you and Pog, are both a mile better than I am about this. I don't mulligan hands for the most part that have lands and spells. Right? You will look at your hand and be like, "This turn three kill is too slow because I'm on the draw. <laughs> I need a turn two kill." And so you laser focus and mulligan a turn three kill. I don't, it's, I, not at my blood. best, it's not in my range, <laughs> yeah. okay? It should be. It's not there, okay? I am telling you, the thing that you are talking about right now is the exact same mistake as misidentifying a turn three kill. I like, Okay, so I agree with that analysis, but but that's what I'm saying is like, so 
I was put in a position where um, we're actually talking about this is actually like this is actually getting to the heart of the issue, right? Because the mistake I made wasn't like this was the right play or this was the wrong play. The, the mistake I made was not identifying that I would lose the game to a turn two meddling mage anyways if I get a land or if I don't get a land. So I might as well just not get a land so, and go go digging deep. Uh, uh, yeah, Eric Lauer taught me something in 1997 and it became one of the greatest principles in, in Magic and I took credit for it, right? So I was friends with Eric Lauer. It's like 97, I think. I sent him a deck and my deck was like had a lot of good cards in it and I was like working on the mana base to make sure that I could cast both Sukata Fire, Fire Sukata Lancer and Dothy's Horror Slayer, whatever, DB and R2. And again, I had, you know, Lightning Bolt, whatever the hell's in this deck. So I sent, I sent Eric Lauer this deck and he sends me like a one sentence response. And he's just like, why the hell would you ever play this when you could play Sly? Right, so I looked at and this. That's lived with you for the and so rest I was just of like, your life. That became the prime directive of Magic: never be a bad something else. Okay, so like that became never be a bad something else. You know, so I extrapolated that. Um, and I feel like uh, if I said to you a parallel thing, right? And I said, okay, imagine for a second you are not playing replenish. Imagine for a second you are playing suicide black and you are on the play. How much do you care about your own life total? You have no bones about who the beatdown is, and you're on the play. As long as they don't do 20, you're okay with it, right? That's the same situation you're in. Yeah, I mean, I'll just say that, like, you know, I've I've at least played out the scenario a few, a few times in other matches where, like, I, I have, like, I've been playing Intuition Triple Deep for... Uh, since before you did it against off. me, I thought you were the best deck designer in the world. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh my god, that is the best deck designer in the world. Um, and when I ran it a few times against the blue white deck, I'd realized that I can't always do it because the ancient tombs and the deep analysis would stack up. And then, even if I had ten access to seventeen cards, because I drew uh, freaking ten, uh, even if I had access to all those cards, I wouldn't be able to deploy them before my life total had been reduced to zero thanks to ancient tomb. So, I I agree with you. I think uh, I, I've come around to it. Uh, when we started this podcast, I was like, there's just no way I'm going to intuition for triple deep there. That's too much of a throw. Uh, now I've finally reached a point where I'm like, I understand that I couldn't live in a meddling... Like, once I kept the hand, I couldn't live in a meddling mage world. And when I kept the hand, I was like, if I draw at least one more land, then I can make this intuition suck a lot less. But uh, by by having... Uh, the only island ancient tomb. Uh, I was I was in the hurt locker, as you like to say. So, uh, but I think it's interesting because, like, you know, that wasn't a punt, right? I made a fine play, and it wasn't an optimization. It wasn't like I made a fine play that's undefensible. It's just not the right play, and that's the kind I mean, of mistake so like, that's really hard to identify. And that's that's the mistake. That's the kind like, of mistake you keep making when you're bad. Let's say you have to like I don't know defend your family from a marauding axe murderer like not one like five marauding axe murderers are going to come and you stumble into a shack in the woods right and you now have a decision in front of you you can take a crossbow and crossbow was such a deadly weapon sir walter raleigh said that it thought it would end all war right there's an antique crossbow 
by the way, the Chinese had the had had the crossbow the in, the B, yeah. in the BC, right? But when it was invented, it, you know, prominent English <laughs> gentlemen and war masters, Sir Walter Raleigh said, "This weapon is so terrible, it's going to end all war." Right? So you can take a crossbow, or you can take an AK forty-seven, and not just an AK forty-seven. There's just stacks of fucking ammo. Okay, you're not going to run out of bullets. Okay? <laughs> like you could take one. And then you say, for the rest of the adventure, I shot that crossbow so well. You're like, oh my god, I got a headshot with that crossbow, and it only took me three minutes to reload. I got the reload time down. <laughs> so good at sending arrows. <laughs> That's you. Just own up to the fact you didn't take the AK-47. Well, AK-47 would have been bad if the Marauders had... It would have been bad if they had bulletproof vests. Had bulletproof vests. Would have been better, yeah, exactly, right? so, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Weirdly, the Marauder might have had a bulletproof vest. Weirdly, the crossbow is better than <laughs> the AK-47 against a bulletproof yeah. vest. It's weird. Duh, it's crazy. Right? But, that's know. all I could think about. All I could think about, I was like looking at the AK and I was You're like, just looking at a well, poster of Chris Pakula wearing just like, a bulletproof vest. Yeah, <laughs> just like looking at the AK, I'm just like, well... <laughs> It's gonna look real dumb on stream if I take this AK, and it turns <laughs> out, <laughs> turns out there, turns out the Marauders, they just have a bulletproof vest. <laughs> oh, the thing that's hilarious to me though, this is actually super hilarious to me, uh, is because I'm an archer, right? So like people are like, I don't know like, that you're an archer. You didn't know I'm an archer? Hilarious given to just throw out there. <laughs> I used to just, you know, before FNM came back, I used to just post my like bullseyes because like, i was just play, i just shoot archery two hours every friday night oh, nice. before fnm came back let's get so, back to that yeah so I, I it's weird i moved to like Screw 10 minute magic. walk I from a uh, fire from archery, bow archery range and I, I own my own kit all this stuff anyway so the thing that's hilarious to me is people are just so enamored of guns and they're just like guns 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 <laughs> do you have any idea how many bullets it takes in war to kill a human being <laughs> it's somewhere between 300 and 10 000 bullets do you know why i so there's two theories one of them is in, in war with conscription, people just don't want to shoot at other humans, so they, like, shoot up or whatever. They miss on purpose. But I have a friend who's an army captain. He's like, no, guns are just really inaccurate. <laughs> like, extremely inaccurate, right? Yeah. So, so like, only, like, sniper rifles are accurate. Like, the reason that AK-47s and M16s exist is because the only solution to how inaccurate a gun is is sending a bazillion yeah. bullets. You're like making the perfect analogy. So, you know why I like the car deep analysis? So it's because it doesn't take so seven cars to murder ender. somebody. It takes so, 30. At the end of Rambo, there's like a bad guy and he has a gun and Rambo has a bow. And I was just watching a and I was watching a commentary and people were like, oh, this was for cinematic effect. And this like weapons expert is like, are you insane? <laughs> one man with a bow versus one man with a gun? The bow wins a hundred percent of the time. So I'm just thinking, like, guns are so inaccurate. I've been in a shooting range, and I'm like, I would ace any like from fifty yards, you're dead. Like, doom! Like, it's like it's hilarious. Like a bow versus a handgun never win. Like Archer never misses. And like, if I mean, it depends. Like my bow has like heads that are designed for punching through paper targets. <laughs> yeah, like an arrowhead that's sharp it will literally rip through a human body and you never miss yeah. like do you I know mean, how big like do you know how big like a human midsection is to somebody who has a sight on their bow like, tear you in half 
I mean, uh, I mean, I feel like you started the story that I was stupid for for choosing the crossbow, yeah. and you ended it by saying like, except, <laughs> except it's the literal best aid. No, no, not a crossbow. I know, I know, I know. We 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 meandered a little, but you know. No, yeah, what also, saying. like like a, for, I mean, like a compound bow is pretty fast to reload, and uh, you know, whereas a crossbow, there's a lot of. A lot of yeah, action yeah, yeah. to reloading it. That's give me the compound bow, then. Just give. Let's, let me punish. That's her not the shit. story. The story was a crossbow. No, the story. Like, I changed the story. I changed the story to vindicate my choices. I, yeah. I so looked anyway, at the like, AK. Legolas really would have fucked up that many orcs. Like, so, yeah, Pekula so, like, would not have stood a chance. <laughs> like, I think it's just like I can't, I can't remember which battles, like the Battle of Hastings or something. Like, it's like super unreal uh, that like. You know, this thing where it's like the English like crush the French or something, and like they beat them like three thousand to zero. Like there's almost no there's almost no casualties on the English side, and people are like, oh well, the English just won, so they just wrote the history books. People are like, no, did you actually analyze the weapons? Like <laughs> the English had the longbow, right? This battle never started. <laughs> like the French were just like, let's go, Normans and Saxons, ale, ale. and like three thousand of them just took English longbow hits. Like the one of the reasons the Mongols were so successful before they just decided to quit waging war on the Europeans was because the English never got there. They attacked like so. This is crazy. Like only the English had the longbow. Everybody else had like shitty bows. It took three years to make an English longbow in the Middle Ages. It has like three times the range of uh of like <laughs> of a mongolian shortbow and it punches through stone that's the other thing people have no idea how deadly an arrowhead is it will literally punch through stone people are just like oh bow and arrow i'm like pulling back a bow is like a hundred pounds like but yeah sure bow and arrow in quotes <laughs> um they, they never miss they have insane range and they can punch through stone but yeah I'm sure your handgun is very deadly in battle. I mean, I, 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 all I'm thinking about is if Apple Podcasts is going to flag our, our podcast if it's filled with the F word and titled crossbow or AK-47. <laughs> Don't title a crossbow or AK-47. We have to call this at some point. But I think... You know, I, I'm not. I don't have a lot of plans this afternoon. I thought we were going to do a Tau House meetup. David was just like, "Yo, you want to hang out this weekend?" But never, maybe I should follow up with him. Yeah, That's maybe you should. I'm, so. I'm probably out. I got to go grab lunch and then. Yeah, so Sorry, maybe I'll just go to the archery range. Yeah, I know that sounds away. that sounds sick. I want to go. We should shoot then. We should that shoot, man. Super cool. I I love shoot. So here's the thing: I hate guns. Like I hate vi like I'm a pacifist, right? Yeah. So my dad was always just like, I don't understand this. Like you hate guns. You won't let me like take your kids to the shooting range. My dad, you know he he likes guns. He's a Republican, so you know, I guess by default he likes guns. And he's like, but you shoot arrows every Friday. And I'm like, this is just like meditation, right? Yeah. Like. I shoot at a paper target. Yeah. I'm not hurting anybody, right? This, I, this hobby like, comes with much different fantasies than, like, than the guns do. Like how good I am at this hobby is based on how still I can be, how at peace my arms are with my heart, right? Because if I <laughs> waver a little bit, right, like that actually affects the flight path of my arrow. Like it, it's based on how well I breathe relative to how I hold how I hold the thing. This is just a Zen form of meditation, right? Like, I'm not hurting anybody, right? But by the way, like, if you were. If I needed to. If I needed to, if, if, I wouldn't miss. If the right? warriors like, were outside of my house, I yeah, would like, put down the AK 47. Yeah, like, 
me missing is me not hitting a nickel-sized target at 50 paces, right? If my target is the size of a human chest, 0% chance. That's like an enormous target to an archer, right? Like a, a competitive archer can hit a nickel from a from the from a football field. Yeah, that's I'm, insane. I'm loving I'm loving learning more about you through yeah, so, the Spike um, Only podcast here. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, archery is awesome. I mean, I think I'm just going to shoot archery. This that sounds like great. I have to work. But, yeah. You know, so nobody wants to play magic with me until Tuesday. I make a black deck. Make a black. Don't play. Let, let land play land deck, and then you play. A, I guess you only. T this is your only testing time, so you kind of have to. You could. Yeah. So what's going on? We used to play like three times a week in person. Nobody's played with me. You're like. You're, I hit you up on like Friday nights, and you're always like doing something. What was I doing last night? I, don't oh, I played FNM last night. Oh well, you played FNM. The, I the only reason I didn't play uh try to hang out with you last night was because it was a birthday party at the bar, but um. You know, I'll, I'll play Magic. I think. Um, oh yeah, we were, uh, we're like playing like three times a week. Like, okay, let's, even uh, after Lobster Con. Let's let's figure out our social schedule after saying Love Spike Colony. Love Spike right, Colony. Thank you Bye. for listening. Game over.